It is Friday, February the 2nd, 2024. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Busy racing weekend coming up, so we have a few guests to talk about some of the big races, and uh, they are all around the country. First up, we'll talk with Matt DeSantis about Aqueduct and the two stakes races they have, including the Withers, which is a Kentucky Derby prep race with qualifying points to the top five finishers. We also will discuss Gulfstream Park and their five stakes races, headlined by the Holy Bull, where Fierceness, the two-year-old Breeders' Cup champ and Eclipse Award winner, will return and make his first start of 2024. Barry Spears joins me to talk all about Gulfstream. Then we go to Oaklawn Park. Angela Herman and I discuss races 8 through 11 and all stakes pick 4 that ends with the grade 3 Southwest. Four Kentucky Derby prep races this weekend. I'm going to hold off on Santa Anita because the weather is really in flux right now. It rained a lot on Thursday. Then Friday, it really hasn't rained so much. Saturday and into Sunday, really up in the air. So I'm not going to talk a whole lot about Santa Anita on this episode. What I will do is I'm just doing individual videos for those because I think that's a little bit easier. We did a preview of the Santa Anita Friday Pick 5 carryover on the Santa Anita feed on the YouTube and Twitter and all of their social medias. And then Friday evening, we will preview the Saturday Coast to Coast Pick 5 between Gulfstream and Santa Anita there. So we'll get all the um, all of the racing stuff, and then we get into this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper on this episode. That's what G said. That is presented by Full Service Realtor Cindy Carava, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. That's the website. She can help you out with anything you need in the world of real estate, with buying, with selling, with leasing. CindyCarava.com. It's also a really big time in the world of horse racing for you tournament players. Those of you who like to play in the big contests, there is an NHC Super Qualifier on Saturday. It's a $1,500 entry fee, and if you win that, you get an NHC seat for this year, 2024, or 2025 for every 15 entries. So you can pick whichever you would like, and the NHC Super Qualifier will consist of races from Gulfstream and from Santa Anita. You can play that through ExpressBet, expressbet.com. You'll notice uh, if you're following me on social media, I've been posting some videos recently of all sorts of different contests. And right now the focus is for the uh, NHC Super Qualifier on Saturday. Let's dive on in to all of the uh, great stuff we have for this episode. First, we'll start out with Matt DeSantis. Good buddy Matt joins me to talk about Aqueduct. We discuss races 8 and 9, the Toboggan and the Withers. Then we move from Aqueduct to Gulfstream Park with Barry Spears. Following that, we head over to Oaklawn Park with Angela Herman, and we'll finish up with This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Kick back and enjoy. have a really good weekend of racing coming up in particular Saturday all around the US 
there are 15 stakes races between four tracks. Four different tracks have Kentucky Derby prep races, and Aqueduct is one of them. They have the Withers Kentucky Derby points on the line. And anything you need when you're handicapping the races for Aqueduct, DRF has you covered with past performances, DRF picks, all the tools to help you succeed. And my good friend, Matt DeSantis, if you're not following him on Twitter, at FailedToMentis, he gives you even extra stats numbers how post positions are going odds of winning horses he is eyes and ears for nyra and nyra bets over there maddie buddy how's everything going on your end it's going great Gino. thank you so much for having me on to talk about a really exciting weekend of racing not just like you said in new york but all across the country and it's been too long since we chatted and so it's great to great to see you again great to hear your voice and i look forward to talking racing and picking some winners like we used to do yeah, so for uh, all of you who uh, who are tuning in, Matt and I are going to talk about races 8 and 9 on the Saturday card at Aqueduct. We're going to look at the Grade 3 Toboggan. Following that, we'll look at the Grade 3 Withers, Kentucky Derby points up for grabs in that one. And then before we let Matt go, we'll pick his brain on uh, the three other Kentucky Derby preps around the country, see if he has a quick thought on some of those as we're all focusing in now. It's that time of year, right? It, every week it feels like there's a different track that's going to have their focus the way the schedule was. I think the Southwest had to get pushed back. So that's why we end up having all four big ones this weekend. But just take your pick. You know, it'll go to Fairgrounds next. They'll grab the baton for the Risen Star very soon. Turfway will have a day or two. And then all these same tracks this weekend, they'll have another prep in a month and then one more even in a, in a couple months. So we have a, a lot to keep an eye on. And some of these races were betting, others were maybe monitoring for horses, right? To, look move forward and it's it's kind of that like you're all putting together your top lists or whether you're making your mental notes on this a horse who i want to keep my eye on moving forward absolutely and and i'll throw another track in there that you didn't mention which is tampa bay downs which will have uh, their prep next week next weekend yeah Uh, and so it is something where I know this is something you and Barry and I used to talk about as well. Is this an opportunity for you to keep track of the different circuits as well and seeing where are the most competitive races? You know, what does the Gulfstream circuit look like? What does the fairgrounds look like? What does Oaklawn look like? What does Santa Anita look like? Obviously, with the Bob Baffert news over the last week, that's obviously impacted some things out in California. But it is really interesting. I think this time of year, as much as you handicap these races, you're absolutely right. You also kind of keep your ear to the ground. You pay attention to a lot of the interviews with trainers after the races are over to see, you know, where are they pointing this horse next? Are they going to, you know, they're going to take a break and then try to aim for that final prep race before the Kentucky Derby? Are they going to keep them running every month? Uh, You know, horses dropping off the Derby trail, shortening back up to sprints in some cases, things like that. So it's always exciting and a really thrilling time of year. And you're right, we're in it now because from here until really the middle of April, it's going to be nothing but prep races every weekend. Yep, big focus. So four different ones that we'll be looking at uh, this weekend. Matt and I's focus will be at Aqueduct. Matt, before we start talking about the two races uh, that we are going to really dive into, let everyone know that may not know what you're doing out with the NYRA right now. um, Some of these folks that are tuning in, they might have seen you and I do a bunch of shows together months ago. Maybe they haven't seen you around quite as much, or maybe they're just they haven't been hearing what you're doing. You have become a big part of NYRA, NYRA Bets. We've even seen you on the broadcasts over there, uh, but you do a lot with the social media. Talk to us about how that role has been for you. 
Well, it's been amazing. I've been a content producer at Naira Bets for the last uh, few months, really since the beginning of the Saratoga meet, and it's been amazing. I mean, obviously covering tracks from across the country uh, and not just up here in New York, and so creating a lot of content around that. So handicapping the big races every week, providing analysis on Naira Bets. If you go to the app or the website, you can get my long shot of the day, which is a daily blog that I update. I also do track stats where I track how Favorites are performing at different tracks, as well as the winning trips in different distances and surfaces at five different major tracks at Aqueduct, Gulfstream Park, Tampa Bay Downs, Oaklawn, and Santa Anita. So if you play any of those five tracks, absolutely come on over, check it out at Naira Bets. The best part is all of this content is completely free. Uh, you don't have to be a member of Naira Bets even. You don't even have to have an account. It's all free. If you go to the app or the website, it's there for you. So we just believe in providing more resources for people. And it's been really exciting to do that and get to interact with folks at the track. And, uh, you know, it's been just a, a wonderful opportunity and really love it. So it's uh, it's been nothing but positives. We get to see the, uh, the chalkboard come out the whiteboard every now and then too. <laughs> the professor's love, whiteboard yeah, love exactly. that love yeah. love when we get that out there so we're gonna dive into matt's uh matt's mind right now and try to pick his brain on a couple of these stakes races this weekend at aqueduct let's flip to saturday february the third we're gonna look at race eight it's the grade three toboggan going seven furlongs here on the main and matt when you start handicapping this race a horse who's going to be a major player in here and is probably a real key to the race based on speed is the number five super chow who looks like either the fastest or one of the fastest in the race. But in just following this horse for a while is a horse who was based down at Gulfstream park for a while earlier on in his career. He's always had trouble getting seven furlongs. He's he never has. really wanted to go quite this far. So that's kind of a knock on him. I think so. And, and if you notice, you know, he started his career out. And I remember talking to you about him because we were following Gulfstream Park together back, you know, back in the spring of 2023. And, you know, he was a horse that was racking up a lot of wins. And one of the things is when you look at those past performances, he's not winning as much anymore. And, no. you know, he should be the key to the race. He is the clear speed of the speed. He should be out in front. There's really nobody who's even going to press him, no. I would imagine. Like you're trying to find who's guy. sitting second in this yeah. race, right? I exactly. I mean, I, so he really should be able to set whatever fractions he wants. If he's ever going to get seven furlongs, today's going to be his best opportunity yep. to be able to get it. But I, I like you getting that extra furlong seems to be a problem with him. And at a relatively short price, it's, I just don't know if it's worth the risk uh, coming off a very impressive buyer speed figure last time out. But if you notice that speed figure is rather anomalous as compared to his others. So yeah, it's a, matter, it, that's the outlier, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very high buyer 96, you know, his average is somewhere in the mid to low eighties usually. So you know, does he bounce a little bit off of that last effort, which was not even a win? Uh, and and I'm also curious. It seems like maybe he's lost a little bit off his fastball. Maybe he's mm -hmm. not quite as fast out of the gate as he used to be. Uh, and so I think that that's really hindering his chances in this particular spot. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And we started to talk a little bit about Kinetic Sky, uh, Kinetic Sky, who's eight to five on the morning line, and he is 
in this spot, it's a good spot for him with his yeah. recent races. He's turning back a little bit. He's been very sharp. I mean, you, you look at his last six or seven races, there's really only one clunker in that mix. He's faced some nice company. Heck, even the horse he just lost to last time out, Kruppi, came back and <laughs> ran really well in the Pegasus last week, finishing third at 34 to one. Yep. Yeah, no, he's, you know, Rick Dutcher Jr. has done a good job at spotting this horse. He's, the pace scenario sets up perfectly for him, too, in that he's a horse that is going to be sitting second or third. He's got that outside draw position. Jose Lascano, the jockey, will be able to slot him over and, you know, behind Super Chow, presumably. And the fact that this horse has the foundation to go a mile, to go a mile and an eighth, now cutting back to seven furlongs, a distance where he's never been out of the exacta, at eight to five, listen, we never like to eat chalk, but this is a very formidable favorite, I think, in this of, particular race. A very tough one to get by, I think. Especially of the two short prices, if they're going to be anything close to comparable, I just oh. much, much prefer Kinetic Sky. You know, even little things that you're talking about with the speed figures, right? Just compare the two of them. This horse yeah. has just been living a, a lot more in the 90s. Yes. That's where Kinetic Sky sits. The one horse, if if anyone's playing this race from a gambling standpoint, or you're trying to get a little value out of here, and a horse who I might throw a few bucks to win on, was uh, uh, th- this horse, whenever I see this horse, it reminds me of a TV show that I loved a few years back, Flight of the Concords. Murray! Murray was uh, one of the main characters, <laughs> the uh, the agent for Brit and, uh, and Jemaine. And, uh, oh man, I was just watching a compilation of some funny Murray stuff. But this is another horse that, I've known for a while. This was a highly regarded Baffert horse uh, back in 2021. You can see he broke his maiden first time out of the box by 10 lengths at Del Mar. And that was so impressive. He was favored in the grade one Del Mar Futurity in his second start. And he just didn't fire that day. He was off for a while. He had a physical issue. So he was off from September of 2021 to July of 2022. Shows back up. Actually ran pretty well. In his return to the races, finishing second behind a horse named Kid Corleone, he earned a, a nice speed figure that day. But you could see, following that, he's off again for another what seven, eight months from the, uh, the whole half of se- the whole second half of 2022 and the first couple months of 2023. He races, he's off again. He was having just physical issues. He just couldn't get to the races. So he leaves the Baffert Barn. He comes to the Brittany Russell Barn. They get him out to Pimlico and they start him in an allowance race, but against softer company than what he would have been facing out in Southern California. And immediately he runs really, really well. Talent has never been an issue for this horse, Matt. He's had talent from the beginning. He's just had a tough time staying on the racetrack and keeping it all together. So he shows up at uh, Pimlico and he beats a horse named brother Conway since beating brother Conway, brother Conway has won all four times. Since that, he's won his next four uh, races in a row. Um, coming out of that, Murray finishes second behind a horse named Kadri, who is a 10-time winner. When you look at Kadri, who's earned like $450,000, is no slouch, like a nice upper allowance type horse. Uh, you then just kind of follow what Murray has done recently. His next start, he comes back and he beats... Monday morning quarterback in seven, yeah. seven's 11. And Matt, you know, the circuit really well out there at Laurel and Pimlico. Yeah. Those are like low level stakes or yeah. high level allowance type horses. They're solid horses. You know, they're not top tier graded stakes types, but they're 
nice horses to beat and handles them. And you just look at the recent form. His speed figures are a little low. I think sometimes that happens just at the, the smaller tracks too, and not necessarily the bigger tracks. Sometimes yeah. they just don't have as fast of races and as big of speed figures. I think you'll see that all over the place. He has ability. He had a tough start to his career. He's a horse who's figuring it out now. He would be a horse, if I'm playing this race, that I would play that has upside that I like the fact that Brittany Russell says, yeah, let's go take a shot against this type of a graded stakes group. This is the type of shot you need to take, right? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's funny, I just actually finished my analysis of the toboggan for Naira Betts, which people can go online and read. And uh, there's a reason you and I like talking horses, because a lot of times we see things eye to eye. And Murray was the, the choice. I said, listen, if you want to try to get beyond the top two, this is the most logical horse to go to, I think. And part of it is because of the trip that he's going to sit. He's got yeah. good tactical speed. Yep. And here's here's a little stat to throw out to the listeners. Since the beginning of the fall meet at Aqueduct, only 12% of dirt sprint winners have come from more than three lengths off the pace at second call. In other words, you want to be on or near the lead. And that's exactly where Murray is going to be. He's going to be sitting that tracking trip. This is a horse that faded a little bit at a mile last time out. The cutback to seven furlongs should hit him right between the eyes. Brittany Russell came up here last year and shocked everybody with Doppelganger, a former Bob Baffert horse, mm -hmm. by winning the Carter Handicap. She can absolutely come up here with Murray, another former Baffert horse, and win this race and, uh, and upset the apple cart a little bit. This is a horse, you know, if you're looking for, if you, from a handicapping and betting perspective, if you can't get past Kinetic Sky or Super Chow. This is a horse, I Min Murray, is going to be on all my exactas. Like Absolutely. this is a horse that's going to be in my vertical tickets. Uh, because at eight to one, you're getting a really good value. Also, Manny Franco it, it would seem to fit this horse really well. Mm -hmm. uh, Manny's going to get this horse out aggressively, and I would imagine Murray's going to be sitting third. No question. By, by process of elimination, just if all these horses were just to naturally go out there and run, he yeah. would be probably the third fastest yep. in here i think naturally and that's yep. exactly where you'd love to see him just in that spot he can pass horses he's going to be cutting back a little bit we like the races they come out that he comes out of they're a little bit sneaky he's in good hands for a very capable conditioner and a yep. very capable rider there's a lot he checks a lot of boxes for a price horse to play you know a absolutely absolutely so, murray is the horse that me and maddie think is live if you're looking to play against any of these uh favorites in the toboggan but kinetic sky is very very uh is a very formidable favorite in here i think he definitely is the horse to beat of the two shorter ones we were both on the kinetic sky bandwagon more so than the super chow bandwagon and murray looks like the value if you want to try to spice up race eight the grade three toboggan let's flip the page maddie to the withers it is one of the four kentucky derby prep races this weekend all of those prep races offer points to the top five finishers of the races right now uh the bob baffert horses cannot get points as of yet we heard that uh still that ruling is still going right now even though his owners have stuck with him which made you speculate i, I don't like speculating a lot of the times because you never know but it did make you think that there might be something more to that that they all stayed with him that there was maybe a decision to come down the line we'll see i'll play it by ear uh as it comes but as we flip to race number nine Kentucky Derby points are on the line in this one. And 
no surprise when Brad Cox shows up with the horse, they're going to be pretty live in like all of these prep races. And it's an embarrassment of riches for a trainer like Brad Cox, because there are actual articles that have to come out talking about how he has to separate all of his horses because he has so many of them. Where are they going to go? Two here, two there, two here. He brings Lightline over to run in the Withers. And Lightline most recently lost to a horse named Carboni, who's actually going to be running in the Southwest this weekend as a major player. So from a starting standpoint, he hasn't been in a stakes race yet, but his three races definitely show that he has ability and he's a stakes quality horse. And he's, he's the horse to, I think, start the conversation with in this race. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, it's so interesting. You said about the embarrassment of riches. This is really drum roll pleases spot that he is taking. Cause yeah. drum roll please was the Brad Cox horse that was going to be in New yep. York. He had a little bit of an injury and a setback. So he's off the Derby trail while he recovers and, and Cox just slides this light line right into drum roll pleases place. Basically as the Cox Derby horse, uh, which was, of course, hit show last year, if people remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was his Derby horse in this circuit. Absolutely a legitimate place to start. And I really like the versatility Lightline showed last yeah. time out, breaking slowly. If you watch the replay, he kind of threw his head a little bit at the start. Looked like the starter maybe hung on to the range just a second too long. And... But he was still very slow afoot, too. And he was dead last at first call and at second call and showed the ability to pass 10 of the 11 competitors in the race, which is something he never showed before. So showing that versatility, I thought, was a good thing uh, from a standpoint of a maturation. Doesn't necessarily need to get the lead, could sit a mid-pack trip and then that, go. A lot of times, that's you're just done, right? When a, when a yeah. horse who's shown speed or tactical speed in their first two starts when they break like that. And when they're 10 lengths behind the field, that's it. Yeah. And that's one of those races that us as handicappers would even look back and go, Oh, you know what? They had a bad start. They didn't get yeah. their position, throw it out. But this horse didn't just sit back there and wait and get it and get discouraged at all. They made a big move like three, four wide outside big sweeping move all the way up and they end up losing to a lone speed winner who's a very nice horse no it was it was a very impressive effort and and, you know the race before that where lightline finished second was the stretch ride who went on to finish a very close up third in the kentucky jockey club next time out so uh you know that was a that was a decent race and there's no harm in losing a horse like that at all either, especially when you compare it to others in this field. So yeah, he's a very tough favorite to get around. Um, And, uh, but, but I do think, you know, I'm intrigued a little bit uh, by the number one, uh, by the Pletcher horse um, speed runner, who's son of gun runner broke his maiden doing this distance, nine furlongs, a mile and an eight last time out at aqueduct. I do put a little bit of extra credit when I see a horse handle the distance over the surface at the track. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we joke when all else fails, bet gun runner. Uh, but here's the other thing that maiden that debut race that he ran at seven furlongs. If you notice every single one of the horses from that race has come back to win. Uh, not all next time out, but, but they've, they've all, all won come back to win. Ridgewood he, runners. He was one of one three who, that yep. won next out. Yep. Three won next time out. And the second place horse 
one, two races after that run. So it was, you know, it, it, that's a very strong debut race that he came out of, then goes and breaks his maiden, showed a lot of grit, holding off Malarchuk, who was favored over him in that race on December 8th at Aqueduct. And the other interesting thing to note is that three of the last four winners of the Withers came straight from Maiden Special Weight Company to win this race. So historically, you've wanted to be in the Remsen, you've wanted to be in the Nashua, you've wanted to be in these stakes races in New York, the prep. Not anymore. Now you're Recently. seeing this straight from Maiden, straight to the Withers. And Pletcher is certainly one of those uh, you know, trainers who's able to get these horses to move forward well. We'll have the inside rail position, good tactical speed, you know, could sit a nice pocket trip potentially, or maybe even get out there on the front end, uh, depending on how much speed they want to flash go on two turns. So uh, Jose lescano has got a couple of efforts. And at five to one on the morning line, you know, if I was going to try to take a shot to beat the favorite, this is probably where I would go. There were three horses that I, I had on my radar in this race, and he's absolutely one of them. And he, we do this sometimes, and, and I try to make sure I catch myself if I do. He got a really nice trip in that race. He sat yep. a beautiful trip second off, or he sat just off the lead. We we don't want to always knock horses that can put themselves in that spot, right? Yep. If horses get a good trip and they're in a race and a couple others don't, and you want to maybe upgrade the ones that didn't, totally agree. Fine yep. with that. But in this situation, Speedrunner was in a right, uh, put himself in a nice spot. He got a good trip and he might just get a good trip again. Indeed. Yeah, I and, and, yeah, and I think it's, it's something uh, my friend Sarah El Badwi and I talk about a lot, which is Sarah will always go, well, yeah, but he got the perfect trip. And I go, well, that horse always gets the perfect trip, which should tell you something about that horse. Like, With, And in particular, like always, price should come into it. Oh, right? Absolutely. And when, when they're a horse that is getting a perfect trip and they're, you want to try to beat them because they you feel like one of these days they're not. And they're like my San Francisco 49ers. The one day that somebody <laughs> actually catches the interceptions that they throw, they'll lose. You know, when that doesn't happen, they're going to win. So they <laughs> bounce balls off the guy's helmet for a 50-yard pass. You know, like those are the kinds of things that happen. But for Speedrunner, I think his one of his major attributes is that he's going to put himself in a really good spot. Yeah. There's one big price that I want to mention. Yeah, if please. anyone's throwing a... Um, playing nice exact as tries, or if you're playing sort of late exotics and you want to use a big price in here, I think there are versions of this race where I could see speedrunner forwardly placed in here. You have a horse like Deposition with the blinkers on, stretching out, should want to be forwardly placed. Lightline, because they had such a bad start, many times in the next race, connections will overcompensate and go even more aggressive just to make sure that they're way up front and, and way have, closer. Yeah, and you right? have Manny aboard. You have yep. Manny Franco aboard, and Manny's going to go. And you yeah. think you're the best horse in this race, yeah. right? So you want to be close up. El Grande O wants to go. Seminole Chief wants to go. Mission Beach, stretching out from sprints, wants to go. So there, uh, Conte, there are versions of this race where a lot of these horses go. I think the six is going to run well in here. <clears throat> I don't know if the six is going to win this race. This is a lot to ask, but he debuted in a very strong race at Saratoga that has oh. been talked about a lot. Valentine candy was a horse who had his number upgraded 
after that maiden special weight win because he didn't get a very big speed figure, but the race came back extremely strong. You had horses like General Partner and Dancing Groom come out of it and run really, really well. So that debut race I thought was good. It was a strong, it was in a strong field. So I, I know he, he faced tough company that day. He comes back on December the 8th and he had to stretch out from six furlongs all the way to a mile at an eighth. And speedrunner wins in a race where he sits a great trip. Society Man was never going to win that race the way it shapes up. He's more of a closer. But how I plotted out just a minute ago, if there's a version of this race where all of those horses I mentioned are going and trying to get positioning, he's one of the real true closers in here who he kind of loomed up into the race and he got to about two lengths out of it. And it was so funny, Matt. You could just see the fitness hit him. Yeah. That he was like looming up and it was about at the mile point and it was like, oh, I'm tired. I have not run in months. This is a mile and an eighth. That's a lot to ask. Now I'm done. But there may be a better, a quicker pace in here. And if there is, he could be one of the horses that's at least passing some others and picking up pieces at a huge price. Yeah, I definitely like that uh, philosophy because I think you're right. There might be a fair amount of speed, which is one of the reasons why I'm kind of all the way against El Grande O. Me too. Uh, the Linda yeah. Rice horse. I, you know, I kind of it's kind of her version of Arctic arrogance this year, uh, and you know, this is a horse that you know is very well seasoned. You know, and always turns in a very honest effort, but I just going two turns, I don't think is what this horse wants to do. And I don't think certainly with the amount of potential pace signed on. And it's not so much that it's all the pace because, you know, different scenarios could play out different ways. But it's to your point, there's going to be a few horses tracking and just kind of pressing a little bit and making Mm -hmm. it just a little uncomfortable. And it's not going to be El Grande O up on the front end. Just being able to, it's not going to be like the previous race where Super Chow is setting his own fractions. El Grandeo is going to be getting pressed the whole way around. Um, the, the horse that I was a little interested in at a bigger price is actually uh, one you mentioned who might be up on the lead, but that's Seminole Chief. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an interesting horse, uh, I, I, you know, for Jack Sisterson, who, you know, horse debuted at Finger Lakes and then goes down and runs in two Stakes races at Gulfstream Park, which is not something, not a move you see very often, we'll just say. Uh, and, you know, has a runs kind of a very similar trip to Speedrunner last time in a $300,000 Florida restricted race and gets the win under with Paco Lopez aboard, beats some pretty nice horses that were stretching out Mattingly uh, and um, Ben Tornado, uh, who was, I think, up to that point undefeated, actually. And so, you know, beat some nice horses going a mile and a 16th. And if you look at those fractions, those are legitimate fractions that horse was running that day uh, and running behind. And he's not going to have to run behind fractions nearly that fast at Aqueduct. And so I'm curious with Trevor McCarthy, who's been – Trevor is one of these jockeys who gives long shots really good rides. And he may not always get home. He might not always win. But I can't tell you the number of times Trevor McCarthy gets a 49 to one horse to finish second, a 36 to one horse to finish third. He gets big prices onto the board and he might just get this one onto the board as well. Seminole chief at a nice price there. Maybe a horse to throw into some of your multi exotics, uh, at least worth mentioning mission beach kind of yep. looks a little like Murray who we were talking about before, right? You've got uh, the horse who started in the Baffert. Uh, barn and was very good in his debut went right into grade one company in his second start he 
came from off the pace last time out. I mean, he just feels like a total wild card. I don't really know what to expect from him other than I I think he'll probably want to be showing more speed in here going a little bit farther coming out of that sprint race. I would imagine, uh, you know, Curlin sometimes take a little bit longer to develop, uh, which is what is who his sire is. Um, but they also are great at distance. So, and so you assume that he could get the distance, uh, you know, we'll see, this will be a first time trying two turns. Uh, you know, Brittany's brought this horse along, you know, pretty well. I will say jockey Dylan Davis has been on a bit of a heater up here at Aqueduct the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's been riding really, really well and being a lot more aggressive too, which is when Dylan's at his best. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's a horse at six to one. I agree with you. Wild card. Again, I just did the write-up of this. You're taking the words right out of my, uh, my mouth because that was exactly the word I used to describe mission beach in my analysis, which was wild card. Maybe this horse wins. Maybe this horse finishes sixth. Uh, yeah. I could see either of those things happening and none, neither would surprise me. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where the board goes with this that, type that's of horse. The key, right? Because yeah. These are the types of horse that are generally horses that are generally overbet. Yeah. But if they're not, then the whole conversation around a horse like this is different, right? If he is five or six to one versus five to two, we're having a total different, a totally different conversation. So, totally. yeah, I mean, I would not talk people off wanting to throw this horse in the mix if he's around this price. Yep. I think that's fair to use. If he gets bet down a little and if it, if something flip flopped, like he gets bet and El Grande O floats up, you know, right. I could see a scenario where something like that happens. Well, then I'm I'm a little more trepidatious off of him. I just watched a Macho Man promo where he used that word recently, so I wanted to make sure I was able to throw it in some somewhere. Yeah, it was yeah, I was like waiting, waiting, throwing it in. Trepidatious is the word. <laughs> oh yeah, me and G. That's gotta anyway, be the word he knew. Yeah, it was great. It was that, <laughs> I, I, it was that in the word of the day toilet paper I've got going on, you know, so I just trying to get these in the best that we can. Maddie, before we let you go, I want to get some quick hits on the other yeah. three prep races that are around the country. Uh, two of the best three-year-olds right now in training are going to be running this weekend. Two of the horses that have been the most accomplished. First, we'll see Fierceness out at Gulfstream Park. He's in the Holy Bull. He earned a monster buyer speed figure when he won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He's your two-year-old champ. Um, he does look like a big standout, at least on paper there. Any thoughts overall about that race with him? Yeah, he looks really tough to get by. And and the what's interesting is the one horse I kind of liked to potentially upset uh, or at least to finish on the board at a big price was the horse. No more time for Jose D'Angelo. And they're going to reroute. Yeah, yep, they're they're moving another route and they're going to the same F Davis next week at Tampa instead. Um, so Fierceness looks very tough. He just has such good speed, uh, and that effort that he showed at Santa Anita was really good. And Pletcher has been, you know, he's had seven works. I want to say since then, so he's coming in at pretty close to a hundred percent. This is not a give him a couple of works and see how he is off the bench. I mean, this is a horse that's pretty well geared up uh, for this spot. So he's going to be tough. I, I do wonder if, you know, some of the horses try to chase him a little too much. A horse like Otello for Christoph Clement could end up becoming a little bit more attractive uh, yeah. as well as the horse who won the Mucho Macho Man. Horse that likes to come from off the pace, should like additional distance. So that's a horse, obviously, to keep an eye on as well. But uh yeah, fierceness is a tough one to get by in that. I think he'll be a single on a lot of people's tickets. Yeah, he and part of the coast-to-coast -coast pick five this weekend, it's actually between Gulfstream and Santa Anita. They're all stakes races, and 
it goes from fierceness and then uh, to right to Nisos in uh, in the bubble forces like that anytime that we can. I just don't really love a lot of the other horses in the race around Nisos, you know, trying to find who I want to line up with him and beat. And so that that's what's hard. They he and even even maybe a little more than fierceness, Nisos is pretty t- tactical and handy. He's been right on the lead. He has no problem sitting a couple lengths off and pressing the button and going. He's going to be another really, really tough one to get by. He is. Uh, he's a really, really, really nice horse. Uh, you know, you look at a horse like Stronghold, who finished second to him, two back in the Bob Hope, and took a little bit of a step forward, finishing second to Winstock, who, of course, is your second choice in the Southwest Stakes uh, as well uh, last time out. So, uh, you know, in the Low South Futurity. So, Stronghold at six to one, you know, certainly is an interesting horse. Guess the blinkers put on for Phil D'Amato. Um, I even think a horse like Scatify on the far outside for John Sadler, who had a pretty impressive debut, earned an 84 buyer speed figure, might be able to take another step forward and showed the ability to rate a little bit as well in that sort of a spot. But, uh, you know, we'll have to obviously contend with an outside post position going two turns. Yeah, Nisos. You know, he's he's a horse that hasn't done anything wrong in his two races. I mean, he's been like you said, not only has the margin of victory been impressive, but the manner with which he's won has been impressive. Uh, Being able to show versatility, being able to show the ability to rate. And so he's because that that, to me is that what makes him different than some of the other Baffert speedball horses that we see that are so impressive. But we can tell, oh, that horse is really fast. What's going to happen when he gets hooked? Yep. That's not, I don't really have that worry with Nisos right now with, with what he showed so far. And yeah, it's, you mentioned, uh, Scatify, the horse on the outside, uh, and McVeigh would be another underneath horses who I think will improve with distance and will yep. run well here. I just don't think right now they're not even close to along the lines of where Nisos is. Like he's so far ahead of a lot of these horses right now. Um, and yeah. I don't know if I'm going to start hand- putting this into it, but like if there is a thing where Baffert's not going to get to the Derby, I feel like he's going to really want to win all of these races along the way even more. It's just like, yes. ah, you know, I'm so not, I, I, I have a hard time in that pick five. I singled Nisos and I use fierceness and inveigled just to give one other horse in that race because yeah, I didn't sure. want to single back to back. I guess I felt like, if one of the two of those horses were to get beat, maybe with fierceness, they try to rate him a little bit more or, you know, they're, they could, they're testing something out, figuring he's got plenty of time between now yeah. and then, you know, it's yeah. a stepping stone thing. And I just can't even f- see how it happens as much with Nisos. That's it's hard. It's hard to see. And, and I think the one thing about, you know, and going back to the Holy bull for a second is with the scratch of no more time, it's only a seven horse field. It's not, you know, so I think that plays into fierceness's right. hands even more. Sitting and that second not like or third is that as far as he's going to be, you know? Exactly. Off. We're not talking yeah. the field of 20 getting jumbled around here. Right. I mean, it's not as if he's running at Oaklawn where there's 11 or 12 and you go, mm-hmm. okay, if he, if he stumbles just a little bit at the start, maybe he finds himself seventh or eighth. Then, you know, geez, now what happens? Well, it's Gulfstream, seven horse field. Even if he stumbles, he's going to be sitting third, like you said, by a length or two, and has the class over so many of these other horses. And yeah, Nisos just 
I, you know, I, I don't know if we've seen the best yet from this horse. I mean, he looks like the real deal uh, with so many of these other horses stretching out or just proving not to be quite as good as him uh, in previous matchups. It, it's hard to really kind of pinpoint a horse and go, oh, he's going to take a 10 point jump forward in this particular right. race. Completely agree with you. And it sounds like we would both agree that the most intriguing of the prep races from a gambling standpoint is the Southwest where you can make many, many <laughs> cases there. I thought that was a, a really challenging betting race. It looks like the pace should be honest and fair. So I think if you want to make cases for different horses in there and yeah, they, all of those horses or most of them in the field seem like they're all evenly matched at the time yeah. right now, they're all in sa- pretty close to the same levels with each other, same spaces. You look at where fierceness is compared to the rest of that field or where like Nysos is compared to the rest of that field. They don't seem like they're in the same vicinity. Even in Aqueduct, we can even make a case. Light line is something to prove. He's not nearly as accomplished as some of those no. others. So you can, you can poke some holes in him. And then this race is the total opposite. This race is just pick your pony. Cause I think you can, you can really find four or five different horses that you can build a really nice case for. I think he can. And and I'll just make a case for one very quickly. And and it's mainly based upon the pace scenario, which is I think going to be pretty strong because you have uh, Maycox Bay who wired the field last time out on the inside rail. Who's probably going to want to get away forward. Um, you have a horse like Otto the Conqueror for Steve Asmussen, who's going to want to be forward. Winstock for Bob Baffert is going to be want to be forward. Carboni, who you mentioned as well, has done nothing but wire fields uh, to this point. He's going to want to be forward. Uh, and even the number 10, Mystic Dan, is going to want to be pretty forward. Just Steele is going to be want to be pretty forward. As a result, I really think a horse like Liberal Arts at 8-1 to one, or yeah. even Awesome Road at 8-1. to one. I don't like Awesome Road's post position as much. But liberal arts at eight to one might just trip out in this race 100%. Uh, and, and, and might just be like, all right, I'm going to sit behind. You guys go crazy. And I'm going to do the typical Oaklawn middle move and, you know, wait until like around the end of the back stretch and start circling horses around the turn and, and kind of kick on the afterburners coming for home when everybody else starts fading. Um, you know, that's one who seems to only get stronger as the distances get longer. Uh, I can handle a sloppy track as well. We should mention 60% chance of rain on Saturday at Oakland Park. So this is one who can handle the conditions, should like the pace set up, 8-1 to one on the morning line. Liberal arts is uh, – and I don't just say that as a former liberal arts professor. I say that as somebody who just likes the horse on its own merits. Liberal arts was uh, the horse that I made my top selection as well, Maddie, for a lot of the same reasons you did. You go through the lock races. of the week, lock of the lock week, of the week. there we go. Let's lock it up. Liberal arts has a win over Otto the conqueror, a couple starts back. And as you pointed out, you see the progression with this horse as the distances gets, get longer. He's improved on the buyer scale in yep. every race he's run. And now he should get a really nice trip. Uh, I will mention common defense as a horse who I think is a little sneaky and could get a, a nice setup. I don't know if he's as good as some of the others, but he could get the trip that we're talking about. It's a little bit of a tease as I will have Angela Herman joining me to talk about the uh, four stakes races, including the Southwest this weekend. And Barry Spears going to join me to talk about Gulfstream Park and races eight through 12 there and the Holy Bull, the Sniper. Maddie, buddy, it was such a blast catching up with you, man. So now with the, the big races at New York coming up, We'll get you back again in a few weeks to talk with these prep races uh, leading yep. the way. I'd love to pick your brain and uh, see uh, what, what you've noticed with the track and the trends and everything. And we're always following along and we're always 
uh, rooting for you, man, to hit your tickets, to look as good as possible at all points. I feel like I'm uh, like a brother watching you. I'm so proud of all the work that you do and I'm listening and I'm learning intently and I'm always watching and paying attention. Even if you don't know, I'm watching. I'm always there watching. (laughs) Great, great work, man. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of the stuff that you've done and uh, uh, I can't wait to, uh, to tune in and, and, listen to some of your segments or watch you. If you next time you get to fill back in on talking horses, great work, buddy. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you and look forward to doing it again soon. Make sure to give Matt a follow at failed to menace. You can check out everything going on. Matt will do a really nice job always of sharing all the promotions from NYRA, NYRA bets, all the great content, video selections, everything they have out there. Make sure to give Matt a follow. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, folks. I will have all of the, prep races covered put all together on the podcast that's what g said so if you're not watching the video uh if you are listening stay tuned because right after this we're going to roll right into all the big races this weekend and preview them all for you right in a row here on that's what g said podcast let's crush it this weekend Champ is back. We're going to talk about Gulfstream Parks Championship meet and Holy Bull Day on Saturday, February the 3rd. We're going to see the return of the two-year-old champion, Fierceness, who will be your heavy favorite in race number 12 on Saturday. That's going to be the Holy Bull. Joining me, like always, especially when it's something to talk about Gulfstream Park, it has to be my good friend, (laughs) Barry Spears, the sniper. Barry, how are things going on your end, buddy? Hanging in there, as good as can be, and uh, I'm ready for the stakes action on Saturday at Gulfstream. It looks like, uh, you know, some really good races, the stake races. The latter half of the card looks really, really good, and I can't wait. How crazy is it? Gulfstream has a card last week where they have seven graded stakes races. It's like a huge card this week. Right back at it. Another all stakes pick five to close things out. Usually tracks will have a week or two in between, but no, this is the part of the year where it's why they call it the championship meet. There's just incredible racing from the middle part of December all the way through April. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. I mean, you know, it's, it's such a, a, a great thing. I, I like it a lot. You know, some people have kind of been down on it in 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 the years only because you know we haven't had the star power but man these races are always competitive there's always you know uh some lucrative races going on and big field too yeah Yeah. it's it's always fun and you know even when people try to predict that it's going to be a down year or whatever it comes back just as strong so it's always a fun time And remember, if you need any help handicapping the races, drf.com has everything you need. The shop.drf.com store has Gulfstream Park past performances, DRF picks for every day, and clocker reports every racing day for Gulfstream and for Santa Anita. So all the help you need getting ready for the big races. 
as we get you ready for another big racing day at Gulfstream Park. They have one of the four Kentucky Derby prep races this weekend. So not only is it a big day at Gulfstream, it's a big day at Aqueduct. They have two stakes races and the Withers, Matt DeSantis, joined me to talk about that one uh, at Oaklawn Park. The Southwest and four stakes races there total. They have an all stakes pick four. Angela Herman joined me to talk about that day. And then at Santa Anita, they have the Bob Lewis and they have four stakes races there also. But I'm going to just talk about that one myself because I th- think the weather is going to be off and some of those grass races might not stay on. So I figured I'll just uh, talk about those ones in case we have some audibles. But Barry, we have a really fun mixture of I think to me, what is the best representative of a good day at the track, some contentious races as well as a star. And that's what we have on Saturday in the races. We're going to look at at Gulfstream park races eight through 11. We can probably try to find some more prices there. We can try to beat some favorites here and there. I'm not sure how you feel in, at least on paper in race 12 fierceness will be really tough. And it's great to see the two-year-old champ, starting his year off and a horse who we all hope to see in the Kentucky Derby in a few months. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see what he looks like on the track on Saturday and, and how he runs. I mean, th- it's not the most competitive field there is, but you know, we've seen it before where, where horses coming off a layoff, the last race was in the Breeders' Cup and they end up losing first time out. Um, or the horses so, that don't progress, right? How, right. how about the precocious ones who just, are really good at two, really ahead of everyone else, and they just don't mature and take that next step forward. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's like teenagers, you know, in mm-hmm. high school, you, you or like in seventh grade or eighth grade, you know, you, you go home for the summer and then everybody comes back and people are just bigger than they were <laughs> the yep. year before and that kind of thing. And, and um, you know, it catches up to some horses. I mean, it's guaranteed to happen every year. It's just a matter of who. So let's take a look at the all stakes pick five. So we'll have an all stakes pick five at Gulfstream races, eight through 12 at Oaklawn. They have an all stakes pick four races, eight through 11. And our pick five here at Gulfstream park will start with the grade three sweetest chant going a mile and a 16th on the turf course in here. So three-year-old Phillies, newly turned three-year-old Phillies. Uh, one horse that I, I want to start with Barry, who I'm going to use in my pick fours is the two. Madam Mischief, who comes out of the same race with Life's Inaudible and Ozara last time out. But Madam Mischief just had a little more trouble in the same race with Life's Inaudible. She was fifth inside. She got bumped. She was in some traffic. She got pushed all the way back to seventh and lost positioning, was looking for room. Yeah, let's show it. Good yeah, because because it's really like I was going to talk about this horse as well, yeah. um, but deep stretch is is where it is. Like all the all the trouble. I mean, the the two kind of followed Ozara, got off the rail, went back in and got into a little bit of trouble mid stretch. But I mean, I'm not really sure where they came up with the eight to one morning line for this one. But yep, uh, I I think this horse is 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 a lot better than than the morning line makes it seem (laughs) absolutely so the race we're watching she's the number one and you can just see where she is right now she's buried down on the inside where she has a bunch of horses in front of her and nowhere to go and you know you're just at the mercy of the horses in front of you and the horse that wins the race is ozara who's just sitting much more cozy of a trip right than the one where the one's got to deal with the traffic 
And here is where Madam Mischief gets right up into contention, but just like nowhere to go. Yeah, try, tries to kind of get out and then gets blocked. Um, there's there's a wall of horses, four horses in front of her. So she goes back inside. But she has to follow Azara. And right here is where they get into trouble. And, yep, she kind of stumbles bobble. too. Yeah, yeah she bump, she stop, stumbles right there. And you could see she lost her gait for a little bit. She should have been at least second in this race. Yeah, yeah. Without right? that trouble, she's she's definitely second. Um, and maybe could have went after the leader. I Honestly, mean, it, yeah. It, it, it might have been close. Speculating, and but you're absolutely right. She could have been in a spot, and you don't know in racing when you got the momentum and you hit a hole and how much faster you're going. But she just had to stop and start back up, and at least she would have been second in that spot. And now she should be able to save ground again. I, and I think just from a different different style of jockey, right? Paco, who's super capable and wins a ton of races, but for me, at least, when I think of the types of horses I want Paco on, they're more speed horses, mm-hmm. right? More aggressive horses that I want him to get aggressive on, whereas a horse like this, I think, is probably a better fit for Alvarado. Yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely fair to say. I, I mean, in this race, the the two horses that, our favorites in the morning line life's inaudible and the foreign horse um milliot they don't look all that intimidating here um no and and i think that's why a lot of these horses are coming back out of those races that they were in ozara beat both of those horses and i think madam mischief is just as good as ozara um based off what i've seen um the other horse that that i kind of was looking towards is dynamic pricing um I just think that horse is ready to improve. It's one of those Chad Brown horses that he kind of lays up and waits mm-hmm. and finds this spot. You know, he could have came back in an, in an allowance race or or a softer spot than this one, um, than a grade three. But I, I think, it, you know, he feels it's time for this horse to kind of step up and, and do the thing after, you know, that first race at Aqueduct, which was pretty good. Um, definitely has to improve, but has every right to improve on Saturday. Yep, dynamic pricing beat a next out winner in that race on November the 4th at Aqueduct. Brown's finally got a few wins under his belt after a really slow start to the meet. And I'm sure in a couple of weeks, those numbers will probably be right back around 20%, you know, where they normally are and things will even out a little. The, I guess the, the pay shape might, might get me to throw in the five on a ticket if I'm playing a pick four or pick five. The, only r- that race going long on the grass was good for him. You can eliminate yeah. the debut race, you know, the sloppy track at Monmouth Park. He just put a line right through it, didn't like it that day, but he was able to get out front, slow things down. Um, the horse that he beat, Creval Dioro, came right back to beat Maiden Special Weights in the next start, earned a 72 buyer speed figure in doing so. There was also another winner, uh, Roscoe Village, who dropped down and beat Maiden 35s on the synthetic. So, it comes down to what the outside horse with Paco is going to do. I, I imagine they'll probably show speed, but there's not that many speed horses in here. No, not at all. And, and you know, that makes the five horse really dangerous mm-hmm. um, because there's a situation where, you know, Paco might get hung out wide on Golden Ghost. Yep. And if and the not, five just sort of holds right. position. Yeah. And, I mean, you, you, you can pretty safely say that life's inaudible probably won't force the issue here from the rail. Um, and that makes that a tougher, especially with Irad. Irad's not like that. No, he's, I mean, we've, we've talked about it Mm -hmm. where I think his only weakness as a, as a jockey is riding on the lead. 
Um, and he's awfully good at it, <laughs> despite that. Uh, but yeah, there, there's really not much. And, and you know, Makanga could definitely get overlooked here and get to the lead easily. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that makes that horse extra dangerous. I'd say of the short prices, I'd probably give... They do look kind of similar in that they both are making their first start. I guess we could, I would probably give Life's an Audible a little more of a look because he, she drew the wide post last time out and she was making her first start since the Breeders' Cup. But they don't look, the both of the favorites here don't at all look like they're head and shoulders above the rest of this field. Right. This field is evenly matched all the way through. I mean, everybody kind of looks sort of similar. They've been running similar speed figures and, you know, it, 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 kind of turns it into a rider's race. Yeah, and so if the board gonna be... if the board isn't telling us what we think we see, we got to we're going to look for those horses that are over that are, you know, inflated, that are yeah. bigger prices than we than we think that they might be because it it just shouldn't be 5 to 2 and 2 to 1 and then everybody else. Everybody <laughs> else. Like, yeah. No, it should it should be it should be a little more evenly matched than that. So we both wanted to point out Madam Mischief as a must-use horse in your exotics here, coming off a better-than-looks effort on that January 6th race. There's race number eight, the grade three, sweetest chant. Let's move to the swale. Seven furlongs for three-year-olds. It is ungraded, but it's a $125,000 stakes race. We do know that the nine, or the one, Ben Tornado is out. I believe they're going to go to the Saudi Cup with this one, who got the invitation. So, Scratch of a, a major player that will take out some rail speed in here. Also, it's still a, a fun race to dive into. Colorado Cruiser comes out of a race from Santa Anita where he beat Urban Legend, who's a highly regarded Baffert horse. He lost to Nisos and Coach Prime, who are other Baffert horses who are both going to be running in the Bob Lewis this week. You have uh, Bilal, whose maiden win was pretty good. Then they tried Stakes Company a few times after that. Risk it. Seems to have some legitimate ability. I think his form is a little better than his last couple, and now he gets back to a sprint. He's tried to go a little bit longer. This could help him. Legalize is coming off two really nice wins, a stakes winner there at fairgrounds. There are some talented three-year-olds in here, and they look like this is a good spot for them because probably don't want to go farther. They're not quite up at the top prep level, but there's some real solid stakes horses in here. Yeah, yeah, this is another race that, that that was hard to scrutinize because, you know, everybody's kind of doing the same thing, you know, and and it even adds more intrigue if Ben Tornado does not run because th- that that kind of opens things up a little bit, and I don't think anybody's going to let Legalize get away with with anything easy, um, and and that that can create chaos in this in this sort of race because these are younger horses, the paces usually tend to heat up despite the distance and there there's some opportunities here. Like the first horse that I kind of zeroed in on is number five, Bilal. Um, those races that, uh, you know, the, the Nashua and the Remsen, the two stake races were just over his, his ability to run like, you know, too far. Seven furlongs is probably this horse's sweet spot. The, the cutback is key. You're going to have some that, more punch now. Right, and and the versatility this horse has can you know can really be up close, and I don't think this this horse will will shy away if if he gets dirt kicked in his face either, um, and that's a good quality to have in a race like this because 
you know, like I said, these younger horses, I know they're three-year-olds now, but they weren't a couple of weeks ago. And they, they tend to get worked up and, and, and go fast um, just because they haven't learned how to race yet. And having that versatility of a horse that can rate just a little bit is a big advantage. I did just eliminate that last race completely. It was on an off track. And then in yeah. his debut, he's behind fierceness on a muddy track. Right. And, and, and comes out of that race runs pretty big, um, at, uh, at aqueduct. That horse that he beat too at aqueduct. He's actually, this race came back strong. He beat three next out winners and the third place finisher speed runner. He's five to one in the withers from the rail. You know, he's a, he's a player in there. Absolutely. So it, he, to me, is a must-use pick four, pick five horse in this race. I think you have to have him on your tickets all over the place. He, he, Everything about his form makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. And 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 the price will probably be right because, the, you know, I would think they're, just, they're really going to try to bet down legalize. Um, but another horse, and I'm going to throw this one downfield that, that kind of looks interesting to me, and, and the horse probably won't be the price that I would want, but it's still going to be good, is number eight, Squints. Um, that race, I don't, I don't know why this horse isn't thought of more highly in this race. Um, I mean, really kind of coming out of the same sort of company that the one who was nine to five on the morning line was coming out of, you know, state bred races gets Jose Ortiz, which is interesting. And the horse has been training up a storm. I, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if this horse runs very, very well on Saturday, I mean, it just seems like this horse is, is, is coming up to the top effort. You can see those workouts. When you know we can pass horses, which is right. a major positive in here. Because Huge positive. You look at, there's at least a version of this race where Colorado Cruiser's going, Le Dombro's going, uh, the four doesn't want to be too far out of it. You know, we have Legalize, who we've mentioned, and you have to the, uh, so, you know, those four, five horses that are all combined could all be pushing it a little bit here. Squins Palidoris. From, uh, you know, <laughs> Sandlot. The Sandlot is uh, chilling with Wendy Peppercorn. And, you know, they're going to have a, a nice day here. Squints is 20 to 1 on the morning line. And Breen's been having a fantastic meet. The, yeah, that's why I don't think that price is going to hold. I, I'd say probably half that. The horse who, lower. <laughs> I'm going to treat as a wild card. I, I just wish there was a more recent race. It's the four. Grand Mo yeah. the first. His form overall is good. Those synthetic races were solid. And the turf race at Santa Anita was very good against a horse named Endlessly. We just don't know how he will perform on the dirt, but he's training on the dirt fine. And actually, seven furlongs feels like it should be a perfect distance for him. Mm-hmm. I I'm going to use him in, in probably a pick four or pick five because his value is will represent some of my concerns. I just wouldn't be shocked to see him run well and maybe a little short. You yeah. Know, just no, off that's, a few that, months. That's like fair. That. And I think, you know, the eight's going to take some more money than, than expected. And the price on the four might go up and that might mm-hmm. be the sweet spot. You know what I mean? As yeah. far as value goes, that, that one might be the sweet spot because, it, you know, like you said, it's kind of a wild card, but you, you can't take a too short of a price on a horse like this. Um, because there is that possibility, like you said, that this one might have might need this race, um, you know, especially trying the dirt for the first time. But yeah, definitely a contender here. I mean, the the numbers kind of fit in line um, with an improving horse. So, I mean, this is a tough race too. Like these yeah. first two, are very very difficult. 
Yeah, I started to point out uh, risk it a little bit too. He's another yeah. that that you look at and huge chance here. Sprint makes sense. They went a mile in the Iroquois. They finished second that day. The horse who was third, Liberal Arts, he's my pick in the Southwest. I think he's going to get a really nice setup in that race with some speed. He's a, a real quality horse who just has gotten better as the distances have got longer. And then you just look at Risk It most recently, runs into Honor Marie, and then runs into Track Phantom. <laughs> and those two horses are both coming back, I believe, in the Risen Star. Mm-hmm. No, and... You can just see he's forwardly placed, he's in the race, and then he doesn't have any punch or any late run. It's just too far for him. Now you get the big cutback to seven furlongs, third start of the form cycle. He's in the mix here. It, I think this you know, is with you too. This, go ahead. I was going to say, he kind of runs like a turf horse on the dirt. Um, he, you know, it, it, yeah. if, if you see turf horses run on the dirt, a lot of them do have a little bit of that explosive kick, but then it fizzles out really fast. Like a cruising speed almost. Yes. Yep. They, they'll, they'll loom up and then kind of flatten out. And that's what this horse was doing. Um, even back uh, in September, that's really how that horse kind of lost. He loomed up really good. And, and if you didn't know any better, you thought this horse was going to run down West Saratoga. Mm-hmm. Um but runs a lot like a turf horse on the dirt. So that one kind of is, is, is a lower level contender, but has every right to win. I mean, the horse, they bought him for 500,000. Um, the horse runs well. So we'll see. The cutback might be the difference. Here's a look at the swale. This one's going to go as race number nine on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. Let's move to the forward gal race number 10, grade three event for three-year-old fillies. This one, Barry, we don't necessarily have any of the major, major three-year-old fillies so far. You know, horses coming out of the, you know, the the top juvenile runners. Scalable was in the juvenile, though, and yes. she dropped out of the Breeders' Cup, and she crushed here at Gulfstream, breaking her maiden, sitting off the pace nicely. And it's not as if her prior races were that bad. You know, no, it, they're competitive and and not running, you know, outstanding numbers. Um, it's just I just another think, one, but yeah. she, she, and I don't really have any knocks on her, but I just think that it's a competitive race. Yes. I don't think she should be nine to five, and the uh, and the two, four, five, seven should be that much difference than she is. I think all of them are in sort of a similar quality and based on the way this race shapes up, I think any of those horses could win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think this is another one, another evenly matched race where it kind of ends up being a rider's race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Harper, our Harper Rose um, should take some action too. Scalable's definitely going to get some play because of the connections. Uh, Nikitas might take a little bit of action for, you know, obviously the top rider I read is there and they'll attract attention. So, you know, I, I think that everybody's going to be close to the same price. You know, Kiss by an Angel is probably going to come down a bit off of that 12 to 1. And then, you know, everybody else, it, it seems like they're all going to be around the same price. And this is what you love as a better um, because you can find a horse that probably is not a standout, but can outmatch these horses. And I think the seven, Whitwater, I don't know. I don't even know how to say that. <laughs> 
Witwaters Rand. That's what I was, and I, and I kept. I wish somebody had a video of me doing this last night. What you're doing right now, it was like that. You know, someone would have asked me if I needed help with something. You know, which is I'm like I'm trying to sound it out, and I'm Witwater R's and Whit, right because it's, you know, it's like Witwater Sand. I know but there's but, another but, R in there, and you're like, oh Whit, man, this Waters R's Rand. Witwater like, Rand, and I'm. It's so funny when you do this because what happens a lot of the time for me is. I've started realizing this a lot more recently is I watch a lot of most replays I'm watching on vo volumes off. Right. I'm, I'm yep. just not listening when I'm watching it. I'm, I'm going through so many and I'll write down all of the notes of the race, what happened. And sometimes I won't even write down or hear the way that the horse was, was said. <laughs> and then I come to sit down and do a show like this. And I'm like, Oh crap. What was, what was the name? You know what I'm saying? But yeah. this one, I was trying and I, I listened to, to, to Robert. It just, I still can't, I was, I still struggle with it, but yeah, this is, that's a tough one. Good luck, Pete on, on, yeah. on Saturday with this one, especially if the horse wins. Um, but you know, this horse is coming in, in the right direction. And one thing I noticed about this race is a lot of these horses are coming in off like regressions. You usually don't see that a lot. That's a good point. Um, and and it's hard to scrutinize. I mean, look at our Harper Rose. The horse ran two decent buyer numbers, then go in the restricted company badly and didn't run as fast. And, yeah. and there's really no rhyme or reason. The horse still won one of those races and, mm -hmm. and is three for four lifetime with a second. I mean, I get it, but it's like, what are we going to get here? And, Even the and two, that's why... Fiona's magic was visually impressive in that right. in that December 7th race. She did, dealt with some pressure. She put that horse away. She drew off. She won by two and a half lengths. She got more distance that day. But in speed figures, she went backwards. Yeah, I think that last race is a lot better than that. Number. Me too. Me too. Um, and, and, and I think th that's, this horse is a lot faster than our Harper Rose. I think so too. Um, if that one can get out in front and beat, uh, you know, our Harper Rose to the punch, I think this horse is going to be tough. And then, you know, the other one I, I do like is, uh, the W horse on the outside. I'm not yeah. even going to attempt. <laughs> we, we see this similar because I think Fiona's magic is the fastest I do. And all three of her races have been good. She lost to a nice horse in her debut. She was off from July to November. She showed back up. It's been good in both of those starts. Now she'll go third start off the bench. She's had that really nice progression from five to six to six and a half. Now she gets to go to seven. And our Harper Rose, she's faced Florida breads in her last couple. <clears throat> Even when she was in open company, she actually beat another Florida bread that day, Star of Saturn, who's a good one. Um, but I, I think this is a little tough for her. And the these horses might be a little faster, just a little more quality than her overall. I would not be shocked to see her run well in here. But I, I'm going to use a couple others. You pointed out the two, the eight, absolutely, or the two and the seven were both in the mix for me, and the five, yeah. uh, two, five, seven, uh, Nikitas, who we've seen her progress. Same thing you said, though. Her races show progression when you watch them visually, but the speed figures, she didn't show oh, any improvement at all in them. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so weird. Um, it is. And then scalable, you know, this isn't a, a reliable favorite. I mean, the 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 race that that horse comes out of didn't look all that impressive and the field wasn't much no um, i mean Curly it was just basically a maiden breaker you the know same and, horse that nikita's beat right 
and obviously isn't at this level. So it, this is an interesting race too. I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if pretty much any of them win except for the three. And even that one isn't impossible. Yeah, the the two back race isn't bad. I just think she does seem a little cut below overall the quality of, of some of these horses, but she's not in a bad spot from a seven furlongs on the dirt right here. She she could fall into a nice trip. Here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a challenging race. It really is. Barry and I both like the deuce, Fiona's magic quite a bit, and the seven as must-use horses. <laughs> we'll just say, and the seven uh there um uh Whitwaters ran uh let's go to race number 11 next my friend we have the kitten's joy this one is a mile and a 16th on the turf for three-year-old boys and noted to the outside is the horse who is your eight to five favorite on the morning line he hasn't done a whole lot wrong in his career and He's honest. He kind of fits the same profile that you were saying of some of the last horses though, right? If you look at his recent grass races, they're the bourbon and then the they're pulpit. Okay. Back. Yeah. They're they're not overwhelming to where he's a standout over the rest of this field. Yeah, and I and and the eight hole or, or the nine spot um might be a real big disadvantage. I mean, what I mean, they can drop back to last, which probably will happen, but that's not always conducive. I no. mean, you know, they, they're kind of lucky that this isn't a bigger field. Um, but Takayo, you know, kind of dominated last time in the Dania Beach uh, and really was never challenged. And, then, and that honestly, situation might happen again. There's not that much speed in here right. again. I exactly. Know. That that situation might happen again. You're getting the, the guy that does this sort of thing, Luis Saez on him. I mean, why not go, go to that again? Because you know, the two pledges are going to take money. So based on how you're handicapping this race, that leads me to the horse that I like. And I think is going to run really well in here. That's first world war, the six. Now his first two races were on the grass. His last two were on the dirt, his dirt race. He lost to Otello, who we're going to see in just a minute um, in the mucho macho man. He lost to a horse named Parchment Party two starts back. That's a nice Bill Mott horse who they actually said they're going to, uh, I think is getting 60 days right now and is going to come back soon. They're letting the horse grow up a little bit. The race that really intrigued me was the Bourbon, where he's actually favored in this race against Noted. World War, the last and he's the 12 in here. He drew post 12 and just watch going into the turn how wide this horse has to be. And this is a horse who ends up only beating a length and a half in this race. I was really impressed. You can see right here, he tries. He looks over and he's going to try to get in. But what happens, like the nine sort of comes back up in front and pushes him back out to the four path. He was trying not to get out there and he still had to get sort of out there. And he can't get in the whole race. All the way around, this is where the 12 has to sit. Four deep on the grass. He, That's tough. <laughs> he, he gets up to about the three position. But this is a kind of a race that you can win with this trip on the dirt, Barry. You almost never win with a trip like this on the grass. Yeah. It that, just doesn't work. It's tough. So you get hung out wide the whole way. You know, saving ground is the key on the turf. 
and you know giving yourself outs but you see in the stretch here this horse is right there he's He's right there and he's in between and he's still trying but that wide trip is just catching up with him right now like if you if you if you said to somebody the post position really hurt my horse this should be the race you should show yeah because it's very clear that being on the outside cost this horse the you know a win or he didn't have any other option finish right yeah he had no choice but to be sitting out there. You don't want to run all the way up to the lead and go so fast that you're you you burn yourself out, but you don't want to be wide and take all the way back. He would just force to sit in that spot. I thought he ran really well. I wouldn't be shocked if they try to get aggressive with him here. Yeah. Either. I, I hope they do because the horse I like probably is not going to be on the lead, and that's Edgar Town. Nice. Um, with Oshin Murphy. Uh, you know, this horse fits that description of a horse that's on the improve that I always talk about, you know, you see that the horse ran on November 4th in a maiden wins at Churchill on the turf laid off, comes back January 6th, runs an improved buyer number. Usually that means there's another jump up in, in, in improvement in this horse's speed. Um, and I think this horse is going to sit a, a pretty good trip behind Takayo. And uh, we're talking about how they're not, there isn't that much speed in this race. The two horses that I thought could benefit most were the two Edgar Town and the six First World War. Just from, can they be sitting in the top three? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, Noda is not going to be around. Like, I, I despite the pace, I, I still think that horse is probably going to be last for yep. most of this race. And you're going to see this horse running like a freight train in the in the stretch. But you know, Agate Road isn't quick early. No, you know? not at all. So, so being four really places is definitely a, a, a positive here. Um, but again, this is another race that that doesn't look as simple as the, the favorite. Not at all. I mean, there, there's some knocks there um, with running style and, and, and the pace and the race shape doesn't quite favor either of the Pletcher horses here. So look at the grade three Kittens Joy race 11 on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. We turn the page to race number 12. It's the grade three Holy Bull. And Barry, we have (laughs) Fierceness, three to five on the morning line. And on paper, he really does tower over this field. Um, Just based on what these horses have done so far. He had his one poor race when he couldn't get close to the lead. But as we've mentioned, he's only, he, he has such a small body of work that it's still so hard for, to to say a horse like this can't be beat you know you 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 just you you can't it's it's hard on paper to get there for me with some of the horses in this race there was one horse that i like um well and no more time i i thought might have been intriguing he's not going to run in this race it looks like no more time is going to run i believe next week in the sam f davis i think at tampa the horse who is on my radar a little bit is the two yes inveigled um, so before, if we're playing him before the mucho macho man, he has excellent improving form night, like big win beating the neck at Laurel. Then he shows us he can sit off the pace a little bit at Gulfstream. That December 9th race was a really nice win. Tough. Yeah. It was a, it was a good effort. And then the, here comes the mucho macho man. We can show the race because you have four horses coming out of this race uh, that'll be running on Saturday. I guess no more time won't. So three of them. And the one that we're going to watch is the number six. That's inveigled. He, 
he had a kind of a weird trip. And I, the more I watched this replay back in handicapping this race, I actually ended up using inveigled in like the, I did a coast to coast pick five for uh, DRF this week. I was filling in and I had to put the ticket in and I actually used inveigled and fierceness in this race. If you're watching the replay with Barry and me right now, Inveigled's in the second flight. He's sitting in a pretty good spot. You know, he's he's three, two, three lengths off, but he does get surrounded on all sides and he's in between horses. So he can't move to the inside and he can't move to the outside. And right now he's moving up into contention. He can't really go forward. So at this point, Barry, he just has to stop. Right. You can see and it visually. Like it always had to check, not check, but, but just the the rider just has to completely loosen up on him. Watch as the one goes up the inside. He backs up and then tries to go to the outside of the one. And the and the horse who wins this race is the three Othello. Look at the difference between what they just had to do. He had to back up, inveigled, and go outside. Othello stayed inside. Waited, 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 and he was able to move in between. And you'll see Inveigled, who backs all the way up, but now watch him finishing on the outside again. After having to shift, alter course, he could have won that race. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with a better trip, you know, I always say (laughs) whenever I'm watching races, I was like, as long as you're not between horses, you're good. Being between horses is like the kiss of death. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard to, you know, to get horses in front from those positions, especially on the turn. Um, <clears throat> that being said, uh, I, I really think that fierceness is a standout here. It's yeah. going to be tough to beat that horse. I mean, his, his two races, you throw out the, the aqueduct race, um, just blow any of these horses away. I, I thought domestic pro- uh, product might be one to go back to getting the uh, blinkers off. And, I, and I'm inveigled just, was the other horse that I thought could have a chance also. And you're, those are the exact two that I had on my radar. If you were going to use other horses in here, I just, I'm a little bit worried with domestic product because I don't know how quick he is early. That's in okay. Re- because yeah. you know, it, that surface at aqueduct is super, super deep. tiring. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you should be fit enough. Yeah. I mean the, the aqueduct off angle, We'll we'll get a good look at it in this race if, if domestic product runs well. Fierceness, no doubt, the horse to beat. And we say this as you and I liked fierceness in the Breeders' Cup. Oh yeah, yeah. we played him. I, I, I mean, I, I I scored pretty big on that horse because the other one I liked, the Wine Steward, scratched. We both, yeah, um, we both were on the Wine Steward too. Same exact yeah. thing. And it was for me in that particular race, I, it was almost process of elimination too. I didn't love a lot of the other horses in the race at the time and fierceness. Everybody race. That's how I figured him. Yeah. He He was the fastest race and everybody just completely jumped off of him off the one sloppy track, bad race. Yep. And I was like, he can come back and win this. You know, I I said, I think we did the the preview with you and I said the same thing. You know, I, I think this horse is a lot better than that one race on the slop. And sure enough, I, I mean, if ever you wanted a, a 16 to one shot to win, that's how you do it. And I was a, even a little surprised at how he sat nicely in the Breeders' Cup. I would yeah. have thought, yeah, he can win, but it'll probably be really quick. And he runs away with it. He sat patiently, didn't get caught up in a battle, 
waited and made a move to the lead and just opened up. Took off. Yeah, he probably could have won by more than that. Absolutely. That margin because uh, I read kind of eased up on him. I mean, J- uh, Johnny V. Yep. Um, yeah, man, it's going to be hard. I-, I would say three to five is, is probably what that horse is going to go off, if not lower, unfortunately. He's, he's just really tough to beat in here. He really is. I, I This race, the Nisos race, too, at Santa Anita, they were, I had a really hard time trying to get to get past those particular horses. And you know what we do here on the no chalk zone. That's the goal. But fierceness. <laughs> He's going to be very, very tough at three to five this week in the Holy Bull on Saturday. Barry, my friend, we have 15 stakes races between the four tracks that have prep races this weekend. It's not Pegasus World Cup anymore, but it is Golf <laughs> Park Championship meet. Pegasus was last week. PPs, DRF picks, clocker reports, every racing day, shop.drf.com. Before we get out of here, Barry, talk to us a little bit about going in circles, Big Monday. You guys were talking a lot about uh, social media recently, and um, you know there were some influencers out at the Pegasus, and could horse racing um, find a way to have some of these influencers hit the horse racing public for more than just the big day? Or is there some way we can, you know, use people who have a great following and that enjoy the racetrack and promote the races. It, it was a really good conversation. And you had a uh, Mike on right from uh, yeah, Mike Manansky, uh, the mutt man. That's what we call him. The mutt. Uh, yeah. He was on. And you know, the thing about the, the influencers is there, there's really no downside to it um, because you're getting eyes that you normally would not get on the sport, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, and I think racing in general, the industry does not leverage the social media that well. As that continues to grow and improve, you know, they can leverage it a lot better, I think. And, you know, even have horse racing influencers and, and invite those people to help people bet and do stuff like that. So there's potential there. It's just got to be tapped. Barry Spears, you can find him on Big Mondays on that Going in Circles podcast with Chuck Simon each and every week talking about important issues in horse racing, some handicapping here and there, different guests in the mix. And you can always find Barry. Try to get Gino on there. Absolutely. Anytime. We'll get, we'll talk some racing. We'll talk talk some some basketball. Absolutely. We're uh, (laughs) right now, especially it's kind of that unofficial, the sports calendar where, you know, now everyone's focusing on football when football ends then with, you know, Super Bowl next week, then we get March Madness for that month or so. And then all the eyes will kind of shift on over to the NBA for the last uh, part of the season and on into the playoffs. So uh, we'll be talking all about that soon, my friend. We'll always have big races to talk right here. I'm lucky to have a good friend like Barry who joins me each and every week and helps us handicap whatever big races are around the country. Remember, folks, shop.drf.com for all of your handicapping needs, DRF bets. For your wagering needs, good luck at Gulfstream Park on a very, very big Saturday. Five stakes races close out the card.
Oh, here, here at Startup, here at Startup, here at Startup. I am pumped up this weekend. Angela Herman is here with me to talk some Southwest four stakes races at Oaklawn Park. Angela, there are four prep races all across the country. It is a huge weekend when we're talking about three-year-olds. I'm so excited to be talking races with uh, one of my favorite people to talk races with, someone that I can handicap races and literally talk hours and hours and hours trying to beat favorites, so how we're going to do it. Angela Herman, live from Canterbury. How you doing, Angela? Greetings. Yes, I am in the Canterbury studio, not at Oakland, not at Gulfstream, where those preps are this weekend. But we will talk all about them and try to make as much money as we can wherever you are in watching these preps on the way to the Kentucky Derby. I actually think of all of the tracks that have the big preps, we are going to be talking about the, the most interesting one from a gambling standpoint by far. Because if you stack up the other four, Fierceness will be pretty tough. Nysos will be pretty tough. The Withers you know, you'll have one or two shorter price horses in there that'll probably take action. This Southwest that we're going to talk about as the feature for Saturday, race number 11 on the Oakland card, you can make cases for four, five, six horses in that race. It's a really interesting stepping stone race on the road to the Derby. It is. And this pick four, this sequence actually very interesting in the standpoint where you, you kind of hope that it goes off before the Withers does because the winner of that race could very much impact <laughs> the prices and the, uh, the price of the horse I like in the Southwest. But that'll all come down to timing and what kind of price we might get as a result. So Angela and I are going to dive into the Daily Racing Forum past performances. You can get DRF past performances for free right now when you sign up with a DRF Bets account right off the bat. When you deposit, when you use a promo code stakes, they're going to send you 10 free all access past performances. Um, and we're going to look at the formulator past performances right now as we get into races for Oaklawn Park Saturday. Angela and I will look at the all stakes pick four starting in race number eight as I believe 15 stakes races between the four tracks, Oaklawn, Santa Anita, Aqueduct and Gulfstream this weekend. So uh, kick back and get ready for a really fun Saturday. Angela, we will see a sharp, really cool horse to start things off in the King Cotton. I always forget the last you know year, year and a half about how good Skelly really has gotten. This is a sharp sprinter. He has won seven of his 11 races, but he's won six in a row. He's looking for his seventh straight win. He didn't race from May of last year to December. So we miss seeing him in the second half of 2023 in a lot of the big sprint races. So he's kind of been out of sight, out of mind, but this is a horse who loves Oaklawn park. He's really, really fast. He's drawn. Well, he's not the type of horse I like to gamble on because he's a short price, but damn, as a horse player and just looking at him, he's really cool. You know what you're going to get from him straight speed ball and the outside draw should play pretty well for him in here. Well, this was one of the races that you had to wait for it to be drawn to see if there was some hole you could punch in it. And that would have been a different draw, maybe even the rail. But he drew the outside. It's this sandbox, like you said. And it doesn't help matters that the same barn also saddles the other two horses. Well, two of the main contenders who would go up and push the issue. I, I don't think that they'll call for a three-horse speed duel in the Aspison no. Barn. But, you know, I mean, they'll be close enough, but probably not pushing Skelly to his limit early. So just too much in his corner. There's some cool horses in this race that are going to go off at prices that generally they shouldn't be an edge to edge Tejano twist. But all arrows keep pointing back to the outside horse. You really listed off a lot of the things to like about him, but 
you got to find things you don't like about him. And those are really difficult to find in this particular spot with Skelly. That's the key. It's okay. Let's, let's knock him. If we're going to try to beat a horse like Skelly, we think he's been one dimensional. He's not really been a horse who's shown that he wants to sit off the pace a whole lot. The problem is in here, he's just so much faster naturally than everybody else in this race. So you'd have to have horses that were dead set on trying to make his life difficult more than even winning the race for them or doing what's best for them. And that's what makes it so hard to handicap a horse like edge to edge. He's in nice form right now. He loomed up nicely. He took a big shot at Skelly, but I have, I can't find a reason why this outcome is going to be any difference than three of the last four times when he's faced Skelly and he's run pretty well in a couple of them, but he's just not as fast early and he spots him a few lengths. I know. And you try to draw up scenarios that could get Skelly beat. And even when I look at them through rose colored glasses and hope that there's some sort of meltdown, it's asking a lot. And it's asking that against some horses who might not be as fit or he got that race out of the way to get one off the shelf. Some of these, that was where you're supposed to beat him last time. I know, I know. And if you couldn't do it, then like you said, how on earth are you going to do it now? It's going to require a lifetime effort from somebody and some things probably to go wrong for Skelly in order to reverse fortunes. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Tahano Twist, super nice horse, but he's the complete opposite from a style standpoint. He yep. wants to be way out of it and he'll come rolling late, but we've seen this play out before last year in the count fleet and Skelly gets a big jump on him. He closes, he runs well, he finishes third that day. I. I was trying. I was really looking at this race, trying to find. I I wanted to try to get to the two excess magic. I couldn't. The horse who I, if I, if, play, if someone's playing exactas and tries, a horse who I think is better than his last race. And overall, I've always been kind of high on him as a horse is Osborne. I, it's just not the right type of shape for him. But if you're looking to complete exotics in this race, he might be a horse that I wouldn't be shocked if he outruns his odds. He beat Skelly before Skelly, you know, got really, really good at the start of last year. And he actually sat pretty close in that race, but we haven't really seen him sit too close many times since then. And I, and that's my worry is that the trip that he gets, he's just in picking through this race and trying to find some value out of it. He's a horse who I could hook up with some underneath, but Angela, I, I could not get past Skelly in this race from a pick four, pick five standpoint. I just, I didn't want to use other horses that I really don't like their win chances even close to as much as his. And at least with the horse with Osborne, you know, you see him at lower prices. They've been getting better, just a shade under 10 to one lately. You're probably going to get the best price that you're going to get on him in a long time. I yep. mean, if you are a fan, this is the time to dive in on him. But I'm with you. You have to start with Skelly. And if you can't get past him, that is difficult. Then you just tip the cap and move along to some other prices, perhaps in the sequence, or at least races that look like they could produce a little bit more unpredictable outcome. Whereas I think if you maybe drew this race up and asked him where he'd like to draw, who he'd like to be against, anything like that, it would come pretty close to what he's getting in the King Cotton. Yeah, it's a really great spot for him. Uh, it, it really is for Skelly, who's uh, going to be a heavy favorite in this race, race eight to kick off an all stakes pick four on Saturday at Oaklawn Park. Let's turn the page to the Martha Washington three-year-old Phillies with a $250,000 purse going a mile in the 16th. And in this race, 
Denim and Pearls is your six to five favorite on the morning line coming in off of a runner up effort in a stakes race here at Oakland Park on December the 31st. She ran very well that day. She actually took the lead. She finished second to a horse named Ice Cold, who she had previously defeated uh, in the race before that. So from a starting standpoint, she's the morning line favorite. She's the one that they'll have to hold off in here. She's run some nice speed figures in her last couple. So the horse to beat. How are we approaching this race from a a gambling standpoint? So if you and I single Skelly in the prior race, we have the opportunity now to use a couple extra in these next few races. If we so choose, I, I feel like I'm, I'm fine with denim and pearls. I don't really have that many knocks on her. I don't think that the difference between her and some of the other rivals in this race is nearly as far as like what we saw with Skelly though. I think there are horses in here who could step up and who could improve and who could be right in the mix with her. Talk to us about how you see this race. And this goes along with the Southwest, right? These are more developing horses as appropriate Mm -hmm. proven commodities. And I do think that it's a high compliment that Brad Cox pays in good taste by lining her up out of her maiden win right next to the favorite in the Martha Washington. So I am going to be leaning towards those that one of the two Cox Phillies and in good taste also comes from some local connections. Admittedly, I have been following in good taste since she started out. Uh, Barry and Joni Butso live here locally and they bred this filly. Maho Bay is down in St. John's where they do have uh, a vacation home and they name a lot of horses, including her mother, in that spirit. And in good taste was very game in winning that maiden race at Oakland Park. Now she did that towards the front end, but she's not a horse that needs the lead. She was in between horses for a while. She got a bit thrown at her for her maiden win. She did hang on by a head. She did that in gritty fashion and she beat a nice filly. So putting her in here is auspicious, but still uh, Brad Cox is 20 for 67 over the last five years, taking maidens and putting them into non-graded stakes. And if you want to filter that down to what she's doing, he's six for 16 with three-year-olds, three for seven on dirt and three for his last four in that respect. So if he's going to compliment her and say she belongs in this spot, I'm going to agree in the hopes that I get a price on both her and maybe band of gold towards the inside. But in you looking for a long shot, I would guess that you used band of gold in the mix. She did win impressively first out. She too took on non-graded stakes or non-graded stakes company, sorry, in the untappable. And she came up short, but I'm willing to forgive that one and see if she can't redeem herself at a big number and use her in the mix along with in good taste. Yeah, you uh, were talking about the outside horse, absolutely in the mix for me. Band of gold is in the mix for me too. She ran into a nice horse named Alpine Princess who Mm -hmm. has become very good. She's right now, I think one of the top three-year-olds. And what's nice about Alpine princess is she can win in different ways too. Um, that particular race, she was on the front end and there was just no passing her that day runner up West Omaha. We actually saw come back and win the next prep race at fairgrounds, the silver bullet day. So we're looking at a horse band of gold who came out of a very strong race. I completely agree with you. I think you want to throw her in the mix you pointed out the the race with the nine in good taste. It's a little deceiving because it, it almost looks like she's just kind of right on the lead throughout. You know, mm-hmm. she was with the leader. She gets caught three deep of four. Then she gets caught in between and all of a sudden she's in the second flight yeah. and she's third and she's not in a great spot, but she sits patiently. She waited. She looked like a pro who had been in, you know, 10 races and not just the one, that she'd been in prior to that. That was also her first time going longer where it's easy to get a little eager there. 
and you pointed out the horse that she beat. So checks a lot of those boxes that I'm looking for in this race too. Uh, one that I, uh, I did want to mention is the five promise me an empire. She's going to be in the mix for me too. I think her overall form is a little bit better than it might just look, especially when you're kind of looking at some of these restricted racers races. Sometimes they don't seem as strong on paper. I really like the progression that we've seen from her. You can kind of look through some of these fillies too. She beat a horse two starts back. That was the next out maiden special weight winner named Mixer. And this race has come back pretty strong. There was another one named Pray for Champagne that came back and beat Softer. uh, And she was the third place finisher that day. In the Churchill race, just visually was another one that I think it it's a little bit different than it, than it may have looked. It wasn't just like a speedball race and she's not one dimensional. She can sit a little bit. She has some speed. She's kind of going to be in the spot that I'm looking for Angela in this particular race. So she's going to be in the mix for me in a race where I'm going to use a few um, pointed out already three of them that, uh, that are on the radar. Any, any others in here that are intriguing to mention? I'm going to be keying in on the two and the nine in here trying to beat the eight. I will maybe use Promise Me an Empire underneath. I agree with your points that she has some versatility to her and she does have that experience. I don't like the fact that we haven't seen her since November. I'm thinking that the better targets are in front of her. But if you can get a drift up from nine to two, I mean, Harry Hernandez will get her into the race, I'm sure. And we'll just see if she can pick up where she left off or improve it all and see where those restricted maiden special weights are going to come back up in the grand scheme of things with these. Because some of the horses that she was, I'm sure, trying to avoid in those spots are back here in this stake, some of those very pricey horses. So we'll see. We'll see how much she has grown and matured and if she can hang with these because the price will probably be right. There, One horse that I'm... I don't really know what to do with and i may try to find a way to have her on one or two of my tickets especially if i'm spreading in this race is tap it janelle the first two races at remington and delta they were very very strong and don't really know what she was beating she did it very nicely and i think in that last race she was probably a little farther back than i i feel like they would have wanted I just think from a trip standpoint, they're going to get aggressive with her in here. So I wouldn't be shocked if she outruns her odds and gets just more aggressive handling, gets put into the race more from the inside. Don't know how good she is, but those speed figures early on in the career, they weren't far off. Fair. And she will be able to probably keep herself close to the rail and save some ground with her positional speed. But at least... It, visually watching, you know, Ice Cold and Denim and Pearls last time, they appeared to run away from her as opposed to her getting too tired. Uh, it, I won't doubt that a horse can improve at any given time in the beginning of their three-year-old year. She just have to improve a lot. So I guess I would, and, I would prefer some horses that you brought up before. And, like it was, and it wasn't even that she had an excuse or a bad trip. I just think they're going to try different tactics because I watched yeah. that race and I couldn't really – she didn't have an excuse or it wasn't that she got caught in trouble. I feel like that they'll probably just try to give them a better run for their money. Not sure how good she is, but I'm, I'm feeling the nine is going to run a good race in here. And it sounds like that's the, the horse that you started with. I think we both feel like you're going to get a good run for your money from in good taste could sit nicely out there and uh, throw in the two band of gold. If you're looking for a price in this one, I think she has the the most, if not, almost the most upside in this field. So I'm going to stick with her use band of gold underneath with uh, 
a rebound, hopefully, in her. And maybe try to spread out in race number 10, because I thought that in this ninth, I could narrow it down to just those couple. But they will be good prices, so hopefully they can pick up a little bit of that slack for Skelly. Okay, Angela, let's move to the American Beauty. Can't talk about Kevin Spacey anymore, so, we, you know, that's... Can't, you can't just talk. did. Good yeah, job. I was going to say, got to move on. <laughs> Used to like the movie, but can't even enjoy it uh, nowadays. Let's go to the 10th race. We are going to have six furlong Philly and Mare sprinters. They're going to be going quick in here, and they're going to be led by a horse that is even money on the morning line, Alva Star. She, she's a horse who's been very good as of late. And when you look at the three horses that she's lost to in her three losses, six career starts, three losses. They were all horses that are in really nice form at the time. She lost to a horse named Unifying who came right back to win their next start. She lost to a horse named Jersey Pearl who came right back to win their next start. She lost to a horse named Vava who was in really good form at that point. Vava was supposed to actually come and run out here in uh, in the La Brea at Santa Anita on opening day. And there was all the, the shipping issues for some of the horses that couldn't travel out here. She didn't end up um, coming out here and she would have been probably favored in that race. So, and Alva star also has shown that she can sit off the pace a little bit. If she has to seven furlongs might've been a little too far. So we knocked, um, you know, a favorite in the prior race. She feels solid, but she hasn't started in a few months. And this is the starting point for her season. You had pointed out with uh, a horse we were talking about in the last race. This is not probably the end-all be-all goal for Alva Star and their connections this year. So she could be a little bit short in this race and maybe a horse that'll be stronger and more fit next time or making her third start back in a few. You said it. This is the race you're supposed to try to beat her because as good as she is, she still has, kind of like in the previous race talked about, some bigger things probably ahead of her. So as good as she might be and her talent alone might win this, I am probably going to spread out and take some shots against Alva Star. I'm going to use condensation. And condensation is going to be a horse that I, I probably That's don't. That's my top selection. <laughs> oh, oh, we didn't talk before this. No, we did not talk at all. So go ahead. I'm glad that you're on this one. Talk to us about condensation. I mean, if you're looking for a filly that is capable of running, it's not that she consistently could beat Alba Star. You're not looking for all 10 times to have the better horse. You just want that one time because this is that one time that you try to beat Alba Star. Condensation can come from off the pace. She can push the issue. She drew to her outside. She has lots of experience and she has recency to her. And all of that makes me want to include her in things, include some other horses in here, and be okay with being a little bit wrong. As long as I have the right horse, even if condensation doesn't run, use quite a few in here. And watch the weather, because some of the mares on the inside, some of the older mares that might be good prices, have proven to have an affinity for a wet track. Some of these have run over it before, but not proven themselves to be proven commodities. And when you do look at the forecast, it's sketchy, but really consistently not many of these have come up with an effort that would beat Alva star if she's right. So in that spirit, uh, condensation doesn't always run that way. She may need a few things to go her way, but that could happen in here and the price will be worth trying. So why do you like condensation? Well, the two horses I just mentioned that were nice that beat Alva star the last two times that condensation lost on the dirt. She lost to Jersey Pearl and unifying. Those two same horses that I just mentioned that were the ones that beat 
the even money favorite. So she's faced really good company from a speed figure standpoint, that six furlong race on the dirt at Churchill. That's exactly what we're hoping for here. Something exactly. like that, right? Yep. She yeah. sits off the pace. They go fast in here. Alva star gets caught up a little too fast, uh, too close to the lead early on. And we see the five along with the four and the seven all hooking up. Right. Exactly. And I mean, condensation to add it further, they might even see Mahoning Valley from November go oh, Mahoning, but white chocolate went up to aqueduct, won a nice allowance after that. And then I believe she was fourth in the interborough, but yep. that form is traveling. Maybe yep. she can shoot. And you mentioned Jersey Pearl. Condensation has been keeping good company, even if she's been well beat by them. And that's enough of a case to try to take a shot while she's been running a lot recently. Elva Star may need this one to get back to 100%. If she wins, she wins. Kind of like Skelly earlier. She is obviously the most talented one at her best. But is she at her best? We find out on Saturday. And you could see you could see the progression early, last year in early 2023. She was facing some of the better three-year-old Philly sprinters. She was, face, she was facing, you know, red carpet ready when she was in that money's gold race in the eight bells. She... It just looked like going long was a little too long for her. So she had a very, very normal pattern for a three-year-old that ran well. Hey, let's see how good we are. Can we stretch out and go a little farther? Ah, okay, honeybee, fantasy, that's probably a little too much going a mile in a 16th. She did not run poorly in those races. Not no. at all. And it, it just looked like, yeah, those are a little bit better horses going a little bit longer. They cut her back in the eight bells. That's a tough race on... Derby and Oaks weekend. And she was fourth in that race at 18 to one behind red carpet ready and money's gold and a seed. Those three horses are nice horses. Right. Following that she's on a sloppy track. You have a couple grass races there in the mix. You start going race by race. There aren't many of them that don't make sense. It almost all of them. You understand why she ran the way she did that day. Yes. Those are the horses who I love that. I love to play because you were pointing it out. They're not the most consistent, but from a gambling standpoint, can they jump up on one day with the right trip, with the right uh, shape in the right race, with the right field and win? Yep. Those are the horses we look for as gamblers. Right. And, and he's given her an opportunity to be good at a number of things. He's tried her sprinting on dirt, going long, going short and long on turf. If he's decided that this is what she's best at, she probably is. So why not take a chance if it's going to be a big number like she will be? condensation a big price Angela and I trying to talk you into that one <laughs> I feel like they're going to try to get Royal Spa a little more involved early the blinkers you know tip that a little bit she's she's just not that fast but she's <laughs> won both times at six furlongs so she's it's kind of mixed signals here where she does have enough speed you look at the March race that she won here at Oaklawn Park where Santana got her and now Santana's back on. I think they're going to try to get her in a spot like that, sitting two lengths off with the blinkers on and put her more in the race. If that is the case, I think she can be a player in here. I think she has some ability. I'm, I'm just a little bit worried with her overall body of work. She's not as nearly as fast as some of these other sprinters are early. And... Drawn towards the outside will help. 92, I felt, would be a, a bit of an underlay on Royal Spa. And both of her last two wins came with Lasix. So we're without that. 
They're adding blinkers towards the outside. We just don't know exactly which Royal Spa is going to show up today because, I mean, fourth in the grade one La Brea can be forgiven. Some of the other efforts, maybe not forgiven. So she's another one, kind of like condensation. They're, they're capable of throwing in an effort that would fit with these, but you're going to get a much better price on one than the other. So if they bring a similar sort of resume or appeal to the table, if you will, I will take the eight over the nine. But I could see the case that is being made for her because she too has some upside and not as many miles to her as some of the rest. Who have we not mentioned that uh, you want to give a plug to? Anyone else I'm, in here? I'm a little interested in Adeline Julia on the cutback. Just a touch because she does keep herself in the race and she's as consistent as they come to in a much different way. But I'll be interested to see how she does stack up with these because she doesn't need any one sort of trip. So with the ability to save some ground towards the inside and maybe make her own trip when an opportunity appears could get her in the mix, too. I don't love her to win. It seems like they've been putting her in very good spots. but Maybe they're running out of those very good spots, so they have to put her in spots like these. But still she will probably be, I would guess in that seven to 10 one range, like she was yeah. last round and she'll be coming. So she's super fair at that price. Absolutely. And that's, the, that's the race to me, that sort of just shows you that versatility is not even a race that she ran that well in, but she's chasing Ujiri and not that far behind a really fast Ujiri. And we see other races where she has some nice finish to her and now she's cutting back. So I, if she's, not that far out of it, she should be fitter than a lot of these other horses. I would imagine. And, and, right. Yes. And just if she can stay within striking range, and I absolutely think she's playable in this race if you're spreading around a little bit in uh, a fun race where it looks like we have a vulnerable uh, favorite that we think you might be able to play against starting out the year, Alva Star off a couple month break. We both yeah. give big endorsement to condensation. Uh, make sure to throw this one into your pick fours at least. And if you get a fair price, maybe toss a few bucks on condensation. My thoughts. Exactly. Let's finish it up in the Southwest. The mile and a 16 Southwest will offer 20 Kentucky Derby points to the winner. Top five finishers of this one get Kentucky Derby points. And you teased when we were talking about it a little bit earlier, how this race shapes up. It does look like, Going through inside out, it should be a very honest pace with Maycox Bay coming off of a monster win where he earned a huge 95 buyer speed figure. And when horses win like that on the front end, usually they want to do that again and they'll get really aggressive because that works so well for them. Uh, you have a horse like Charleston even who it has shown some speed. It would not be a shock to see this horse close. Otto the Conqueror is going to go. Winstock wants to go, no doubt about it. And you have Carboni, who we've been talking about. Very, very quick, super talented horse. He wants to be forwardly placed. I could see the 10 and 11 both needing to be in the mix. Even the 12 awesome road from out there to try to get positioning. When you have that many horses where you could see combinations of them on the lead, I was looking at this race, Angela, trying to find horses that are going to be in the next tier and some of the closers. Fair enough. Okay. I, I can definitely see the pace that you laid out uh, materializing, but I could also picture one or two of them shaking loose on the inside. And that's what unfortunately makes Carboni a little bit more appealing because he'll probably be to their outside. And he's of, of the speeds. He's the one I need. 
Yeah, I, I think I'm going to play this race using him of the speed horses and then a couple others that I think will come from off the pace. I feel sort of sounds like you're that way too. If there's any one of these horses that's good enough to just run away and hide from the others, I think it's Carboni. I do too. And the way that he was finishing off in that optional claimer very much validates putting him into this spot and seeing what you've got and seeing if you have a horse that can rate a little bit, relax a little bit. I would guess that he probably could from the outside, two starts behind him. And it's not like that pace last time was totally bonkers. I mean, it was quick. It was quick. But I think that Carboni could probably find it in him to relax a little bit, even if it does land him in the second tier like you're looking for. And I think that Otto the Conqueror probably on the inside will make sure that this horse doesn't get himself entangled in anything and gets out and gets clear because that seems to be more how he needs to run rather than how he prefers to run. That was my thought on those two. But Carboni still, even if he doesn't win today, is a horse that I'm going to be keeping an eye on in the future. He's not going to provide anything as far as value goes. And I mean, he hasn't thus far anyway. So he's not a horse that you like if you're price shopping. But if you are investing in the future, and we're all looking at the Kentucky Derby when we're watching the Southwest, he is the one that stood out to me, at least with what he's done thus far, those two starts. Yeah, I think I'm going to play this race, pick fours from live and closing, probably six, seven, eight. Um, I think those are the three that I like in here most. You mentioned Carboni has been really impressive, and that was a perfect step forward for him. It was a really nice race where he got the lead. He dealt with a little bit of pressure kicked clear it wasn't overwhelming pressure pressure to where it was a, a tough race for him in his first start going long it was how you would have wanted that race to play out perfect stepping stone for him and i i don't have any knocks on him whatsoever my only concern would be if some of these other horses can push him and if he knows a little if he's a step slow in a race like this in a big field it might be a little bit more difficult you know what would it be like for him if he's sitting third or fourth can he do that uh, always a question you want to uh, you want to you know be able to answer with a horse who's going to be at a short price. And you pointed out Lightline, who was impressive finishing second that day. In Lightline, on paper, he looks really tough in the withers at Aqueduct. He does, and he is going to be a good yardstick for Carboni. And like I kind of said before, a reason you would want to play these multi-race sequences if you think that he has any value to begin with. If you don't, then it doesn't make any difference. But if you think that he's a horse that you could hone in on and still get decent value, horizontally speaking, then you're going to want to play this because right around the first leg, right around race eight is when the Withers is going to go off and you'll get a good gauge as to how that race does stack up with these three-year-old preps. I don't think that he's going to provide much. I'm not going to use a whole bunch in the Southwest as far as horizontal plays go, but if I'm really looking for a weird, a weird bomb linebacker, a couple to the outside, is still a maiden. I know he's still a maiden, but he can pass horses. I like that they're putting blinkers on him. I like that he drew towards the outside. And I wouldn't expect him, I guess, to get much different of a trip. So if I like the one, I kind of like the other. Even though it would take a lifetime best for him, that's not out of the question in start number four. I don't think it'll be good enough to win, but he could be one to use in the mix at a huge number. And then we'll go find him somewhere around even money in a maiden race a few weeks later. Yeah, I love playing horses like this in these type of prep races because we know this horse has talent. He's a little quirky. That's all. That's the difference between him having won one of those races and finishing third twice and second. He's a little quirky. He's not as fast early as some other horses are. So 
those horses that are a little more precocious and a little farther along than him, they're always going to beat him in those races going six and a half and seven furlongs. These are the types of horses who I'm, I'm always making a mental note when you see them run and you see them finish well for down the line for a spot just like this, especially a spot like, like this one where we're not quite yet into the bigger preps. So you still have some of these races that might not be quite as strong with the, the big, big contenders yet. And this is one of them where it's a fantastic betting race. We don't really know if any of these horses is a Kentucky Derby horse. You know, we, no, we, okay. And that's what's cool. Like, we have no idea. I feel pretty confident that Fierceness is. I feel pretty confident that Nysos is maybe not be able to get into the Kentucky Derby, but he's that caliber of a, a horse. We'll see how the, uh, how the rules play out this year. But this is a really good group of horses that are pretty evenly matched. They all feel like they're kind of in the same spot in their careers, too where they haven't proven a whole lot. And this is a big race for all of them. As, uh, you know, Carboni probably leads the way. Other couple that I want to mention, uh, Angela talked about linebacker at a very fair price. I'm going to go with Common Defense as another one who can sit that trip just off the pace. His win at Oaklawn, it was visually really nice. He didn't earn a huge speed figure for it, but he was about three lengths off. He was inside. He moved out to the two path and then he angled around uh, a tiring horse really wide. It was, he dealt with some traffic and he showed multiple moves. Those are races that I love seeing a horse have kind of reminded me of, of the race we were just talking about with the, uh, the nine horse, the Brad Cox horse in the Martha Washington on the outside who had a race like that. That was kind of in between and like a little deceiving traffic to overcome. I think there's something there with with common defense. I I want to use this one in the mix for sure. And liberal arts is a horse who I'm probably going to bet him to win if I can get around five to one or so. I love his progression. Five furlongs too short for him. Stretches out to six, runs really well, but again a little too short. And then we get the seven furlongs. He beats Otto the Conqueror that day. He ends up finishing third in the Iroquois, and then in the street sense he wins. And it was on a sloppy track, so he can t- he can handle that surface. But he's been fine on on all other surfaces, so it's not as if his big monster race was just the beneficiary was just being the beneficiary of a sloppy track. And I like some of the company he's kept, and definitely versions of this race where Carboni doesn't clear a couple other horses press, and he's one of the one of the horses that gets the trip. He very well could. And if you're looking for a horse with some established form to them, I'm on the opposite end of that, at least when it comes to some of these earlier ones in the spring. Because if you're looking for a horse that's on this trail, they're probably going to go through maiden races at Keeneland, Churchill, Oakland, sometime in this last like four month period, something like that. You're going to get very deep, contentious fields. So even though they're maidens, they're tougher races than they look. So common defense coming up with that effort that you mentioned, even though he is coming out of his maiden race i would definitely give him a longer look in a spot like this than i would at almost any other time of the year liberal arts is the opposite kind of horse that's a great point that you're making you because that horse that's more proven you feel like they they understand they think they're a derby horse and they're not as worried about this race (laughs) right and versus a horse like common defense or other horses that you mentioned even carboni right now they don't know who they are they don't really know, are we a 
do we want to go long? Are we this caliber? We're just going to be in this race. We're going to try to win this race. We're going to try to run the best that we can win this race. Cause I don't know if they're worried about the Derby yet. Horses like that. Right. Yeah. This was obviously for a horse that just broke his maiden. This might not have been plan a, this is something that came up perhaps as a pleasant surprise. Some horses like liberal arts and some other horses along this whole card. I mean, this is where they plan to go. Not always the case until a horse breaks his maiden, or if you don't even want to wait, you throw a linebacker in here or something like that. You're going to get a good price, but you know that they've fit with these kinds of horses. So I don't mind that take at all, and I don't mind using those sorts of horses at all, and Common Defense is a good example of that. Best of the four Kentucky Derby preps this weekend is at Oaklawn Park. It's the Southwest. It's going to go as race number 11, and it will finish off an all-stakes pick four. They did a really nice job there, too, of a lot. some of the days when the the card doesn't end with a stakes race. You know, they'll have these great stakes races, and then it'll be a non-stakes at the end. They wanted to make sure that you can bet on all their biggest races and combine them in that pick four, races 8, 9, 10, and 11. Angela, as you mentioned, you won't have the live racing, but you have some really cool promotions going on all the time over there at Canterbury for fans that are playing live there. Uh, you have the road to the Derby stuff and I've yep. seen you on uh, uh, different websites. I was looking at horse racing nation the other day and then you popped up talking yeah. about a race from Turfway. I was like, Oh, Hey, there's Angela giving me some uh, analysis about Turfway. Tell us everything that you got going on right now. Well, right now we're getting ready for the live season. It's hard to imagine that it's already February. I was showing Gino before we started with this. There is very little snow left from Snowcross and in Minnesota. It has been a very abnormal winter. We are thinking live racing more than ever because it's been in the 50s. We're coming up in May on our live season. We're getting things ready to go as we speak. And hopefully we can uh, roll out some of these changes that we're talking about and show you guys very soon wagering menu being tweaked a little bit some things will be changed around and it'll be a different looking canterbury season this year but it's coming up fast we're excited about it angela it's always a blast catching up with you love talking uh, the races with you we'll get you back now with every week there's big races somewhere else so i'm gonna have to uh pick your brain again and we'll be uh we'll be calling you again real soon to come join us in uh, in handicap We'll see how many 20 to one shots we can converge in on a spring. I'm looking forward to it. Well, after the millions and millions watch this, there's no way the horse is going to open up at 10 to one at least because you know, we've the power of Angela and Gina. When we speak, the people listen and hopefully all of you listen to some of the great analysis from Angela today. A big thank you to her for joining us. And I hope all of you have an awesome Saturday at Oaklawn park. Good luck in all your plays there. If you need any extra help, with other prep races and other big races for the weekend on that's what G said podcast. I covered the races from Gulfstream with Barry Spears, Matt DeSantis helped me out talking about aqueduct and their two stakes races over there. And then I'm going to dive into Santa Anita's races. They probably are going to be off the grass with a lot of the rain out here. So I just figured I'll take care of those ones since we may have to call some audibles there. Angela, we'll talk again real soon. Thank you so much. I hope so. I, I didn't know about the full lineup. Those are tough facts to follow, but I hope we all make you some money. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you, Angela. Folks, we'll talk to you again real soon. Let's crush it this weekend all over the place. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all, it's 
This week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It is time for another edition of This Week in Wrestling with the Chad Cooper right here on That's What G Said podcast. We are coming off of a huge week in the world of pro wrestling. Koopaloop, nobody does it quite like the WWE when there's a big show. Honestly, it it reminds me of when you have the World Series and the NBA Finals and, uh, you know, the Final Four when it's Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, and now the way they're doing these big events when they go to different countries and to different places all around the world, it's it's unbelievable sometimes how big of a scale it can be. And it, it really did feel that way coming off of the Royal Rumble this week. And only four matches, right? You know, yep. that was uh, something we're not used to in the new WWE era. And yeah. I mean, no offense, watching other wrestling promotions now, especially with a weekend after what we just had, you know, SmackDown leading into uh, to Royal Rumble was a big SmackDown show. And to see the spectacle, um, the Royal Rumble, um, and to see it open and close with the, the Rumble matches, it's just hard. It, it's hard to put into terms what a real spectacle it is. And and then uh, we try to compare it, it, and you don't want to always because and it's I tough be, and it's hard. It, because it first, is. let's it give is. AEW credit. They had a huge show earlier this year at Wembley, and they've done some big numbers and big shows internationally. But what we're seeing right now from AEW, they are struggling in their week to week product. You go from Watching the Royal Rumble in these sold-out venues where every seat is packed, people are going crazy. That's sort of what it was like at the very beginning of AEW a few years ago in the honeymoon period. And now, Chad, you're coming off of uh, shows where I think there were 1,600 tickets that were sold before the show. And then afterwards, they got a report that they ended up with around 21 or 2,200. You can sense that when you're watching the show. It doesn't feel as big league as when you're watching something WWE. It's like when you're watching a baseball game and you flip on to a minor league baseball game. You'll see some great players. You'll see some great action, some future stars, some players that are major leaguers that maybe are even down rehabbing or figuring things out. But if you're just a random person flipping through and you see one thing that's this huge scale and the other that's different – Heck, you and I even made this complaint about NXT sometimes, right? For as cool as that that fan base is, when you're in that same arena over and over and over, and there's only, you know, 1,500 people, 1,000 people, whatever there is at, at the most, it doesn't feel quite as big as when you're watching a basketball game and there's 20,000 people at the arena. Sure, 100%. And if you don't think... I, and I know all of these guys and girls, regardless if they've been in WWE before or not, they're they are professionals. You can you can sense that they sense it too, and the energy is let out of the building. It, it's just it's it's hard to get into. And you and I, we've been you know doing we've been talking wrestling for a long time, and you and I have brought up a very good point multiple times that the WWE 
was the worst wrestling promotion to have throwaway type shows when up against something or if they uh, shoot even when they were up against the Westminster Dog Show back, you know, on the USA Network, or and the, you could sense that big Monday Night Football games, champ national championship, college games, game, national right? Champion, college football, right? Or uh, March Madness, the final championship. They threw in the towel, and I hate to say this, and I'm not taking anything away from AEW Dynamite, their roster of workers, because their their workers' resumes speak for themselves. They're it's great. just not suddenly Moxley is not any good anymore, right? But last night, there was really only one segment for Dynamite really to go home about, and it was the Deanna Perrazzo, Tony Storm thing. I just think they... You know, coming off of, of Royal Rumble, I know, you know, I know that that Raw was going to be massive on Monday night. Uh, there was no football anymore. They had, hell, they popped a big number. The show average was what, Gino, 1.9 million. The, the Cody Seth segment was over 2 million, 2.1, 2.2. I'm not saying you have to have a pay-per-view type show every Wednesday night on your wrestling promotion. But if you're going to play with the big boys and you're going to pop off on social media that you don't play second fiddle to anyone and you will put your roster up against anyone, yeah, there are going to be nights where you're off or uh, this this show really wasn't as good as last week or Friday SmackDown or Monday's Raw. But how many times, Gino, have you and I both said about AEW, Man, these shows just have no direction. They're real. I, we there's one or two things we can point out as to opposed to a WrestleMania that was massive, and look how they pivot with horrible news that CM Punk is now out of the WrestleMania season. It's just two different promotions going in two different directions right now, and I hate to be it and say it that way, Gino, but. You can't wait every six weeks to put on a good show on cable television. No, they, I understand you don't have some a PLE every month. This but is every the, Wednesday night. You got to put out some good stuff. This is the problem that we were uh, were ex- expecting to happen when they had to expand to Collision and to the yes. uh, Rampage because now instead of having an awesome show every week. They feel like they've got to spread everything out to three different shows, right? They feel, hey, we got to make sure Friday's a little strong, so let's throw this match on Friday. The, right now, they're in a bad spot because they've been a little unlucky with everything that happened with Punk. MJF's sure. injury, Kenny Omega's injury. Some things are are out of their hands, but right now, it just it reminds me of a lot of, of what's happening with the Lakers when I'm watching them in that they're everyone's blaming everything on the coach, Coach Ham. And I will say, Coach Ham is probably the most of the problem. And the reason is, is guys have been hurt, guys have been in and out of the lineup, but he's not doing the best with the guys that he has. And that's how I feel with AEW right now. You can absolutely great point. Great comparison. That is and, a great comparison. And it's because it's just Hey, you know what? I feel bad for you. You're right. You should have had Punk. You want you wanted Punk to be there, and then whatever happened, it didn't. You should have MJF there. He's hurt. Adam Cole got hurt. K- 
Kenny Omega got hurt. I think those four guys would be four of your top seven or eight people on the roster. And they're not there right now. Totally get it. But that doesn't mean, just like what you were saying, that doesn't mean now we feel sorry for ourselves and we go, oh, we're missing a bunch of these guys. Let's just put out these like, okay, wrestling matches, not great story. It's, it's a little bit frustrating. And we were talking about AEW. We didn't really talk about AEW very much last week. And it's kind of overall. But as we come off of Wednesday Night Dynamite, we have Swerve and Hangman, which is a good angle. And these two guys have had a good feud. But now they're going to have a match next week. They had a death match. That was one of the most grueling, gruesome matches that people talk about. They were drinking. You and I both said we didn't know how those two would come back with it. Not themselves personally, but with their, what is this, the third? Third match we're going to get with them? How do you follow that? How do you raise the bar? And at this point, do you want either of these guys to lose right now? No. Because without MJF, without Omega, without uh, these other guys around, you need Hangman Page out there. You need him week in, week out. And I'm listening to the Wade Keller podcast last night, and callers are calling in from the shows, and they're saying, man, we went a few months ago, and it was way more packed. Or uh, That's one thing they keep saying. And the other they keep saying, how come they're not making Swerve a baby face? We all cheer him. And it's not – I got into it with some AEW fans online last week. Just like that were really hard not. AEW not fans. No. Because you know, they you're say, too nice of a guy. They, well, they say things like WWE drones, you know, and – <laughs> when I, I just my responses will always be, you know, consistency, storytelling, and that this is a TV show. Chad, you and I love independent wrestling. You go down to I just went, oh, uh, dude, I will go to Pro. a National Guard armory tomorrow if I dude, if there was one tomorrow. Hurricane Pro, I'm gonna try to go yeah. this weekend if I can. I fingers crossed to go see Ziggler and Cardona. There's like, oh yeah, I, I love going to PWG. I was an announcer for Quintessential Pro yeah, Wrestling. Were. I, I have no problem. I love independent wrestling, but independent wrestling is different from a television show. One hundred percent. Two different things. Two different great animals. Programs, great independent programs and independent uh, promotions have. One really good show a month And they don't have to do a whole lot of build to it They have one or two angles One or two promos on social media they can cut But they don't have to fill time every week With characters on a TV show Man I just recapped Echo um, I just finished watching Echo I'm going to do a recap on it On this next episode with Tim Kelly who joins me And in, in a non-spoiler version What frustrated me about the show There's nothing bad about what I'm watching Everything that I watch is good but you can feel that they cut stuff out when you're trying to watch it. And it's like, dang, it feels like there was a scene missing here. Or wow. And and I started reading about it. And apparently there were six episodes initially. They had a couple writers and rewrites. And then they made it down to five. And when you're watching the show, chat, you can feel it. You can feel that, oh, this is cool. These two people are interacting. They're talking about Native American, the Choctaw. History and this girl that she's going through Some of the stuff with her ancestors and she's having These visions and it's really cool stuff But then they'll they'll Like flip ahead And it feels like you missed a scene And that frustrates me When I'm watching any TV It's the same with wrestling 
did we see what NXT does with the the recap videos now? Those are amazing. Yeah, yeah they are. Every they television are. show does that. Every TV show that I watch that's a scripted show, they have, here's what you missed last week. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Everything, every show should do that. And I just wish AEW had more of a sense of that. It doesn't mean I'm lazy. It doesn't mean AEW is not for me. It just means, hey, look, introduce me a little bit more to people. Um, another great comparison. I heard a caller call in last night and they said, AEW brings in guys from CMLL right now. We don't really know these guys that much. If you if you were planning on doing this angle, Chad, I have no problem with this angle. Hell, WWF did this with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. They did this with the NWA. They did this with ECW. They did this all through the years with different promotions and invasions. And then with the big one with WCW and, and after they bought him over. So I no problem. But if you know you're going to do this, why, why not two months ago start – Introducing these guys on TV. And then by the time they do an angle, we know who they are and care more. I don't, is that, is that just me? No, I, and again, the honeymoon period's over because you can go and look, you, you know, when you see WWE drones slash marks slash homers, and you know, when you see vice versa, the AEW marks, drones and homers, but the generic fan is just not knowing what to make and do some of this stuff. I understand that you have, um, you you may have an agreement with New Japan, CMLL, to send your stars there and here. Um, maybe that's not how they do it in Japan. Maybe that's how they don't promote it this way in Mexico. You got to ask yourself this way. If WWE was in a relationship, and I'm not talking about Jordan Grace coming over and having a couple of impact people show up, but if you think they have a legitimate uh, partnership with another organization other, other than an angle where somebody is coming in and taking over, you know, like the, the NWO or the Nexus or stuff like that, you've got to promote this and 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 get us somewhat prepared for it because I, sure these guys can work in the ring at the end of the day i think you and i have both agreed that that some that's of the not, wrestling product that's not a debate now, right and that's what now, is what's so frustrating is like it's like when i have an argument with my girlfriend or like when you, it's like well it, oh i didn't mean to do that i know you didn't mean to i don't think you meant to but you still did it you know that's like that's what we're kind of dealing with here it's like Nobody said their wrestling isn't good, right? Nobody's ever said that. Nobody's ever said that. So why is that something that people that defend AEW want to say back? I love AEW's wrestling is great. So when you tell me, but yeah, the wrestling is great. I know it is. That doesn't make it a week to week television program. It just doesn't. New Japan doesn't have a week to week television program the way that WWE does. That's why New Japan shows are different. They don't. It's not the same exact thing. They don't have a time slot on this time every Monday that you're filling three hours. And the content has to be new. That is totally different than having a show and building to a show a few months away. Completely different things. And that's the conversation that I just don't know if 
AEW has enough, if the people have enough. Hey, look, we are going to build to this show. We're going to, but what we're doing right now, we have to be better at putting on TV, just simply. It and look, look at the good. Look what they've been able to do with Deanna Perrazzo and Tony Storm. Unbelievable. You can't, you can't tell me it, one out of every four or five works. It shouldn't be like that. It, I will it say right be now, like that. That angle is the best thing in women's wrestling right now. The, the I, Tony, I wholeheartedly agree. And I know Tony there's Deanna. some people out there. And I know there's some people being out there, some WWE homers out there right now. Or sure, but probably hate AEW regardless that are kind of being or they're being nasty about Deanna. Oh, that you know, she's not a needle mover or anything like that. This signing and her coming in is absolutely better than Soraya coming in. It's Ruby the best coming in and doing something because there is a meaningful signing now with a meaningful storyline. You and I both, you and I don't know if Tony is, 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 is going to win or, or give the title to Deanna, but are you invested in it? Absolutely. We are. Yeah. Because it's good. Stuff. Tony, 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 this has been the, best version of tony storm as a character that we've ever had now she's always had the in-ring work she's been fantastic this was the this was anything better she's ever done in nxt or wwe completely agree and there's simple there's no there 100 simple so with when you see what they've done and why this works for the both of us they took a little time to build up tony's character and then you could tell they put a lot into Tony's character with the production value. They they care about making that seem like a big deal, making it seem fun, making it seem funny. Tony takes great pride in that character. So right off the bat, it was a good start. Then they bring in Deanna. Deanna and Tony have a history. They were able Love to it. And they're make, telling the story! And Instead of just having Tony defend against random champion that's good in the ring, now we have two really talented women, different characters. Deanna is just a, being a badass in ring. She just wants to prove herself. She wants to see what the hell's wrong with her crazy friend. Look, we got matching and, tattoos. And, you know, you know what have you said religiously about AEW? If they would have spent an extra 15 seconds telling us this an extra 30 seconds telling us this. If every they time they do, we compliment them. Every time they do, we compliment th- them. <laughs> and you know what? They're doing this now. The thing about yep. the tattoo, I had no clue. It's now awesome. I, I knew that they had worked overseas and, and lived you know, together. And she slept on her couch and all this stuff. That's cool. But the tat, the tattoo stuff, this is simply amazing amazing storytelling and when these two finally get in the ring and we have a AEW world's women's title match you're going to feel it because this these two should ladies main are event going a show. to throw down 100% it 100%. should main event an episode of dynamite and there are so few of those women feuds that felt like you, it should since Britt was around honestly that was the last time it felt yep. like that with 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 the women and you know, the NXT women's division, I think, and the WWE women's division are deeper right now. And they've got some fun stuff going. I think Nia, what happened with Nia and Rhea on Monday was really cool. And I'm kind of intrigued now with what that's going to do with Bailey moving forward. And But right now, they've done a great job for about five weeks in a row. 
with Deanna and with Tony. And after the first week, Deanna debuted. We gave him credit. And then the second week, she didn't wrestle on Dynamite, and I was giving them crap. But you even reminded me she did cut a promo. She was backstage. And every week since, they've had her on TV on Dynamite. That's all I've asked for. And now she feels like a consistent major character on your TV show. That's really well done. Right now, I don't like the fact that they're going back to another Hangman Swerve match, Chad. But those two guys both feel like major players, right? They're both like major characters. And I think they've done a good job with both of them recently. That's sort of why I'm bummed because I don't want to have them book themselves into a corner. No, and that's what I'm concerned with. Hangman is more important now, and I hate to be this. I hate to say this because I'm going to get some hate, but he feels more important now than he did when he held the AEW World Title. Completely agree. Completely agree. Swerve is finally – we could feel – The swerve. We could feel the the swerve thing. You and I both say, man, this is (laughs) – this is genuinely, this is really taking on a life of his own. And it's just like we had this tournament and we were like, man, he needs to win. And uh, again, taking someone else, uh, taking a, a, a another thing that you, you keep saying over and over again, i.e. look at the CM Punk situation. You do not know in this sport when someone is going to be hurt. And yep. usually these injuries aren't, oh, uh, they're out a couple of weeks. It's a high ankle sprain. Months. They're tears, they're breaks, they're months. So we just start with, you know, with Punk and Rollins both. Yes, you know, yes, yes. So you you it, you forget that these aren't just a bunch of pieces on the chessboard that you can move around whenever you want. And right now, Swerve, very good. And Joe feels like a nice, you know, guy to hold your title for a while. And I'm glad Joe gets that. But I, I will say, isn't it crazy? And I was going to say the same thing too. Does isn't it crazy that that of all the people that were saying Joe never got his chance in the WWE, and we're now we're getting he's given his chance. You know what? Some of those people are now saying because I'm with you. I, I I get on social media and and look at the 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 banter back and forth and listen to other podcasts. Some of these other people think he feels like now a placeholder. Yeah, like he's just here to carry it until the next person and. You know, again, <laughs> I, I know I say it every every week. I know I say it, Gino, and I don't know if you're tired of me saying it. Uh, the listeners are tired. Uh, you you got to be careful with some of this stuff. You know, you have to be careful with some of this stuff because you just never, you you don't know with injuries, and it's so hard once you win the title to be hot. It is. What's it, next? Should, not right? everyone can What's do it, next? and we're seeing that now, right now. What and in Joe's point, he got put in a situation with Hook, you know. So yeah, Hangman Swerve. If man, I would put that title on Swerve right now. Me too. As quick as I could, Gino. That, and then, that's but, just the, as quick but as then, I could. unfortunately, right now, instead of putting Hangman somewhere else, building him, letting him be just kind of in a different world than Swerve and build back up to that match, you're going to have that match next week. And it's either going to be Hangman beating Swerve. Okay, Swerve's already beaten him twice. If How are you Swerve, booking it? How are you going right, to book it like, as opposed if, to what do you think's going to happen? It's going to be, there's got to be a bad finish. There's got to be Joe interrupting it and beating yeah. them both up and we end up with a triple threat. Because neither one of these guys can lose right now. They really no, can't. They really I, shouldn't. I, I agree. 
and then as, that as way, as much as I hate Schmaz, I, I think that's what's got to happen. Because the only thing that makes sense to me would be Swerve winning the title and not beating Hangman, right? Because Dude, then Hangman say, has sure. a reason to still feel like he wants the title, and he's got a he's got motivation down the line. Okay, I got to get back to Swerve. I got to find a way to be the champ again. If Swerve beats Joe, Hangman doesn't get pinned, and he's that's something for him to use for his character moving forward, right? If he loses again, you can't have him get beat by Swerve three times. No, no. You can't have I don't Swerve care what you do right after now. this. No, no. And Swerve can't lose right now. And I don't. It, it would. I don't know. Are you gonna have Hangman beat Joe? That seems a little weird to me right now. This is Swerve's yeah, it time. Make sense. This is yeah, Swerve's time. One hundred percent. It's got to be the time for Swerve. So we've been. Know, bouncing back and forth and talking a lot about AEW. I just feel like right now, too, they need MJF. Man, we might have seen oh, a Wardlow injury. Wardlow might have got hurt last night. Man, and you, and, and, you, and you know what? You know, quickly on MJF, we think, oh, man, you know, MJF, he, you know, and I said it. I said, man, it just seems like this title run hasn't been the best. This Adam Cole stuff, man, you really do see how important they are to a wrestling company when they're not around. When you start losing these guys, as you mentioned, Kenny Omega, uh, MJF, MJF not being there, regardless if we were tired of him or not, it's that old, you know, don't know what you got till it's gone. Man, when these guys start start sitting out because of injuries, it really does make a lot of difference. Like on a and night it, like this, last... This goes back to the... Yeah, it goes back to the Kenny Omega. AEW... You know, other than the Cody departure, okay, which that's probably was jumping the shark. But again, we've never really got to see the the cleaner clean. No, never. We never really saw and the now, Bucks as like the young Bucks as a. No, good we haven't. No, and now they're in a spot with Sting, which okay, maybe maybe Sting asked them to do it. I don't know, but we see Adam Cole in a wheelchair. And now Wardlow has a, an issue in a match that looks is, really is, scary. Is Adam Cole? And I never let me let me say this. I'm saying this tongue in cheek because you and I have always thought Adam Cole could be a top guy in any company. Incredible, wherever you want to put him, big size doesn't matter. But isn't it sort of a weird, ironic thing that right now, because he's hurt, he's basically a a manager. Like they had said that Vince wanted him to be in WWE. Remember that was the whole thing. Adam Cole's <laughs> yeah. going to be Keith Lee's manager, and now oh he's Wardlow's manager. And it's it, it's only because he's hurt. Obviously, that that's not the case. But sure, it it is. It's a big moment right now for AEW because, as you said, there was negative energy last week with Vince. There was even coming off Sunday night, Triple H had some comments, didn't necessarily say it, the, he didn't do anything wrong, but he just kind of said some stuff that just didn't come out the right way. He could have worded things better. And then the next day, your plans are all shot. Two weeks ago, we're talking about Rock, Roman, Cody, Punk, Rollins, all these things. Now we don't even know if Rock, Punk, or Rollins is going to be at WrestleMania. <laughs> all three of them. I mean, two weeks yeah. ago, we, we thought they were all going to be there. We said, poor Cody, he's not even going to have a match. Now we don't even yeah, know. The story is, yeah, we're sharing memes of him 80 years old, you know, finishing the story. Now you know? I'm hearing things booked where Cody beats 
Roman on one night and beat Seth the other night. You know what I mean? It's so funny. It's like things have flipped so much in just a few weeks. But they've they coming off of Monday night, and we can kind of transition now and talk about the Rumble and, and Monday Night Raw. Sure. They sure. did just what I'm talking about with AEW. Hey, you know what? Bad luck. Seth Rollins just got hurt. Maybe the Rock schedule changed. CM Punk, who, Chad, we had a very legitimate conversation about this. Is the guy just a little bit older now to where you don't really know how much you can build around him? We saw it with AEW. And I, I think and that's this a is fair, why. This, this is, is why. This fair is, question this happened to ask, AEW. Right? And I, I think AEW may have handled it incorrectly and tried mm-hmm. to force him back too early. Agreed. But you know what? Punk. Punk may have said, hey, I'm good. I can do it. So, we, and, you know, and I don't want to put that all on AEW. No, but so does but Brian Danielson. Is, and that's the point sure. of WWE. And that's the point of a company, right? I, I want to work a million. I will work a million hours for someone. But places have to tell me sometimes, hey, no, look, that's not good for you or anyone or this or that. That's the point of WWE and Tony Khan and AEW being there to tell your guys, hey, look, that's not safe. We can't do that. I know the fans would get a kick out of that, but we can't risk your body. We can't put you in that position. And now CM Punk comes out on Monday night. Anyone who was rolling their eyes or thought that CM Punk the first week or two he came back to WWE wasn't the real CM Punk and he was a sellout and he's just saying these things that he doesn't feel. Dude, he's had five segments in ring over the last six weeks. That have been incredible. And the one he had when he he made losing he made losing in the UFC like he babyfaced himself for getting crushed in the UFC. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Man, we talk I look, Gino, we talk about and to this day, they'll they'll for whatever, you know, for the right reasons, the original pipe bomb for that time was the pipe bomb. Yep. But let me tell you. As you get into this promo from Monday night, what he was saying, I, it I mean, was so deep. It was in dude. It, it's it was like, like I, a, I'm a therapy look, you and session. I both said, look, you and I both said when he came over to WWE, even even before it, and then we said it on the roundtable last week when we had the Royal Rumble roundtable. We didn't think that WWE needed CM Punk. We nope. were wrong. I'm not yep. the biggest CM Punk fan. I never have been. And He's Monday been night, incredible. I felt sorry for the dude. Me too. He's been I felt incredible. So, I genuinely felt like this dude, like, yeah, he said, I may not ever main event a WrestleMania ever again. And it's like real life. And then he said, Shit, well, and, then he, you know, right. he, and then he stops, though, and he says, you know what? That's my dream. But you know what? I'm sure there's a lot of you out there. That are thinking about that. And you have way worse stuff in your life. My buddy Chad Gilbert. He's the guitarist for Newfound Glory. I didn't even know that. I had no idea. I heard that the other day. I was like, oh, I love me some Newfound Glory. But he, Punk talks about how the guy's got cancer. And he's got a wife and a daughter. And Punk goes and visits him while he gets his chemotherapy. And they talk. And his buddy has the greatest spirit in the world. And he's excited. We don't hear about that stuff, though. That's no. the stuff that's not publicized. We only about, get the negative. The punk fought in the dressing room. He was a he he was a menace to society. And I'm not and I'm not defending him by any. No, means. me neither. Because I, he's I, we don't know I, how I don't he know is. What was signed in those right? ND, NDAs or whatever it was. No, but we don't hear that type of stuff. Like I sent you a video the other day 
uh, in the group. We don't know what Roman Reigns does. Did you see what he did with those kids? Come on, man. And it's we don't we don't get that side of things of WWE superstars. There's enough people in wrestling in the business that have always been loyal to CM Punk and stood by him and defended him to where that's generally not the case if someone's a really bad person. Like you'll hear more crap about them. And for Punk, there's so many people, even just coming to WWE right now, for him coming back has been the honeymoon period. He was away for 10 years. What did you guys expect? He was going to come back and be an ass to everyone right away? It's like, no, he came back. And, dude, I saw him. Took a, we, I, we were sharing pictures. He visiting Cora Jade after she got surgery. You know, like, what the hell does CM Punk need to do that for? He doesn't. He doesn't need <laughs> to do that. But he does that. Because he knows Cora Jade is a punk fan, and he's not stupid. That guy knows when he, and he even said it like the other day. I don't know why you guys like me. You know, I don't know what it was that you guys love me, but I, you know, you chanted my name, and here it <laughs> is. And man, that was unbelievable. He's cutting this promo. He's getting sad, and then Drew McIntyre interrupts him, and Drew McIntyre talks about how. Hey, you know, Punk, we've had our uh, we've had our differences, and I know I said a lot of stuff for the last few weeks, um, and I'm not really a, a spiritual person, but I just want to let you know, I prayed for this. That was just <laughs> unbelievable. I prayed that he said after the rumble, I prayed at night all night. I sat up praying for something just like this to happen to you. And it did. And now you're gone. And you know what? I'm going to take your spot and I'm going to go main event WrestleMania again. Holy shit. That was awesome. (laughs) That was awesome. Hey, hey, we just said that Drew was doing his best work. And oh my gosh, he elevates it. And then what he did on social media with the eyes looking over the ring when Cody was showing a (laughs) post-rumble moment that we haven't seen yet. It was Cody and Punk embracing after the rumble because you know punk you know and both cody knew something was wrong something wasn't right and there's there's drew with his eyes just peeking above the mat just how can you how can you keep this guy out of a main event at wrestlemania that and that this this dude is is on fire none of this felt fake forced scripted all of it's real no because it because it is all real honestly It, it there's nothing Fake about these stories They're real stories Punk uh, and Drew get into it a little bit Drew attacks the arm And sends Punk on his way And you know, Punk is Out of here for Six, eight months, who knows I, I will say I do think they might have Missed A little bit of an opportunity Now I, I don't even know if It, it is an opportunity Because if Punk's rehabbing and really rehabbing hard He's going to have to be on a, a crazy schedule, but damn, like he would be really good on commentary. We've seen him on commentary. He was on commentary. Sure. He could be sure. on commentary for the next few months, building up stories or just not away from the program. But another big part of Monday night raw, they bring in Pat McAfee. To be, <laughs> Pat McAfee is back. Just like who, that. And let's say a couple different things. Pat McAfee at his best, is an awesome wrestling commentator. Awesome. Right now, 
he's been away from the product for a while, so he's getting back up to speed. You could definitely see that at the Royal Rumble. You a little could, bit better, yes. a little bit better on Monday Night Raw, even just one day. But now, in two or three weeks, he will have been a part of every Raw, and he will know what's going on more. But right now, it is a little weird where you have the 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 main play by play. You have you know Cole, and then. He has to explain everything to McAfee. He doesn't understand a lot of <laughs> I'll it. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you one person who's probably really excited that he's back is Shinsuke. Oh, yeah. He, him he, coming out at the Rumble and McAfee marking out is, is just, dude, oh, man. Oh, man. And I like McAfee. Do you like this change? Because we, we got, we, you know, WWE has made changes. We're going to see a change on Friday nights, and we've seen the change on Monday nights. What are your thoughts about the announced teams? Because if you don't have a good announced team, it's a hard product to watch and listen to. What's weird about it is they're making Corey Graves the play-by-play guy. Yes. Corey Graves has always yeah. been the color guy. But now sure. they're it's going to be Graves and Wade Barrett. Am I right? I think that's what the new – is it the new team on SmackDown? And, and I've never done play-by-play. I've always – done color commentary and probably overstepped my you know stepped on people but you on both sides how easy or hard is that to do in a live setting well i will i will say graves first off he has to have told him he'll do it and that he's comfortable doing it and oh yeah because that could be a career killer if it didn't work out you bought no and he's kind of done it a lot already when he was doing stuff with Kevin Patrick. I think that's what they were you know what? probably you, saying. It got a, like, he's got a good point. He he, he was more he carried the weight, on, right? Yeah, you're right. And, it, and it's you're right. and it's even more that like Corey has a big presence. He has a big voice. He has a big presence. He's been around for years now. And when you have someone like Kevin Patrick who comes in there new, they're not gonna feel as confident just. Jumping into every conversation. Corey Graves doesn't care. He jumps right in. Wade Barrett's awesome. Wade Barrett is an awesome commentator. I'm so glad they didn't get rid of him or they didn't make a change. So right now, the problem that they had was they have Cole and they've got a couple really good color commentators. And so they made one of them into a color guy. And we're going to see on Friday, Corey Graves and Wade Barrett. I'm curious the dynamic because Graves has always leaned a little more heel, but he doesn't. He's he's evened it out, I think, like as the years have gone on. When he started, he was more Bobby the Brain, Jesse Ventura, right? Or, sure, like, almost sure. full heel. And now he's not, he's a lot more like he will go both sides. And you'll see him say plenty of good things about the baby faces and plenty of bad things about the, the heels. But I think Graves can do it. And, and they got a, they got a good one in NXT. I think Vic is, Vic solid, is good, man. solid, too. Yeah, Vic's really good. He should be the guy that they bring up at at some point soon. But Vic's got plenty of work over there trying to keep Booker some days on the tracks. You know, that's <laughs> God, like that's, that's like two full time jobs some days. That's a keep- that's a just a full time <laughs> job. <laughs> so you're right. It is. <laughs> oh, so uh, a couple other things to mention. We got uh, coming out of Monday hey, Night talk, Raw. Let, hey, let let let's let's talk about Nia Jax Monday Night Raw. Yeah, man. yeah, um, that was good. This is. We, we, we hit on it over the last couple of weeks, and uh, we talked about it on the roundtable. She has been phenomenal. Her spots, let's talk about her Royal Rumble spot. You can't just let anybody eliminate Nia Jax with the nope. run over the last month that she has had, right? So it starts 
Saturday, let's go back to last Saturday with her elimination and then what she's able to do on Monday to make you quickly think, oh crap, you know, maybe Nia is for real. So your thoughts on the Jade Cargill eliminating Nia, was that the right move? And then Nia coming back on Monday night, interrupting and telling Bailey, hey, look, you, you can, you can use your little cash in contract on EO because this one's mine at WrestleMania. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, let's start. Uh, we'll talk all about the women right here. What they've done with Nia has been fantastic. Nia is not the type of character on a show that's going to be your lead babyface character right now with how she's been built. They have a lot of other women on the roster that are really good in ring, that are incredible talents. Nia is big. She's imposing. She's athletic for her size, and she can cut a good promo. And she finally is leaning into all of it. I don't think for a lot of time earlier in her career when she started at WWE, I don't think she wanted to be a heel. I don't think she want. I don't think she was embracing it. And now you can sense her embracing it. Well, and she so, had the big expectations, right, with the, with the family background. Exactly. Coming into exactly. you know number one, you know those are not easy shoes to fill. As we we've seen huge expectations. A lot of family members from wrestling trees that have. Not been very successful Flair, San Martino's, right? A lot of these guys, Bischoff's sure. through the years That wanted to kind of push their kids um, Anderson even But what I think they've done such a great job Is getting the most out of every character on your show Again, remember, this is a TV show When you have a bad guy on your TV show There are different levels of bad guys there's the big boss, there's a street level bad guy, but you want to get the most out of everyone. And right now, Nia didn't win the Rumble, but in the Rumble, she completely makes Jade Cargill. Jade looks unbelievable in the Rumble, and I think the women's Rumble was better than the men's. I do. I well, think it was Oh, well, yeah, without a doubt. Without it was a much doubt. more exciting, right? Much yes. more you didn't exactly know what was going to happen. I thought there were more stakes with each entrant. Yes. Per person, as you 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 know, not maybe like oh okay, this person's not going to win or this win. I thought there was more uh, intrigue in the women's rumble as opposed to we kind of knew who the final three or four were going to be on the men's side. They did a really good job in the women's rumble of all the way throughout. There was interesting stuff. You had Naomi right off the bat, so people were excited to see her. She was number two. Bailey's number three. She's going to last throughout. Jordan Grace. Had one of the best rumbles of anyone And this was sure. what one of the callers um, Complaining about AEW last night said I've never seen Jordan Grace But I knew But the WWE commentators Did a good job Of introducing her to me And now after I want to see more Jordan Grace I think they did a really nice job Mentioning it from She was from TNA Mentioning that she had a feud with Naomi before Giving the accolades needed She felt important I would be shocked if we don't see more Jordan Grace She set up like five or six future matches for herself With women in WWE Here Could you see her having a Match on Raw Smackdown or Maybe even Wrestlemania Yes with the TNA title even No I think I could see her doing that Even with that title as like a cross uh, Because now They've started to build her on their own program Right, so now, now she's already she's in WWE canon now. 
She was in the Rumble. She's a part of it. She was she was great. You have and this was not like from years ago, like a Mickey James showing up and being in it, right? No, this like was a little different too. Because like I you, think this was maybe maybe it felt like it was done on purpose. Like like she could be someone in the elimination chamber, and I it know. wouldn't be too far fetched if I said that. I agree, and it it felt like a little different because we hadn't we'd never seen Jordan in WWE before, yeah. and she was great. We had the funny. Chelsea Green doing the naked gun. You know, that was a great spot. Like it was a funny angle for her to do throughout. Instead of being out in five seconds, she lasted 17 sure. minutes. She kept getting squashed, beat up every everywhere she would turn. She'd get popped again. She'd get hit. She'd get this. And it I'm was, like, when she was going through all this, I was like, Gino, I think she's got a shot to make me one too. Of the final three. Or I thought the I same thing because the way they kept playing it, it seemed like she kept. Avoiding elimination every time It was you know a, it was slapstick comedy and, and they're getting More and more with her now To where she's she's going to be more Than just a joke Not, And I don't think she was ever like And, and, she, got her enter, and she got her entrance from Samantha back too the And Chelsea I think that really helps <laughs> And uh, Cole When McAfee was trying to get Cole to say it Come on Cole say it No no Chelsea <laughs> That's what I do like about that pairing. Michael Cole loves Pat McAfee. You could tell, oh, like, they're, yeah. they're you could tell. really good buddies. Yeah. And it it's very similar to what it, what happened um, a few years ago when Tony Romo and Jim Nance started calling the games together. Nance is getting a little older, and, you know, you get a little bored. You've done this over and over. But then Romo's out there like, come on, Jim, what's going on, man? You know what's going on? Come on, what's going on, Jim? Didn't that look like a bowl of spaghetti? And then, you know, I you mean, this game's it. over, but it's really not over. But I'm in the back <laughs> around and it's just, hey, Jim. And it, it, you could see Nance sort of got excited and it, it, it elevated him yeah. a little bit. Um, I think that's what we're getting with Cole, who is out there with his, his best bud. And then, like that, you know, Naya comes in, you get Naya, Becky, Shayna, Roxanne, Jade, un- incredible. I didn't, I didn't know. I probably would have said, ah, I don't know if the, the Rumble's the best place for Jade yet. Let's wait a little while longer. We'll do. I thought I thought it was as perfect as a debut as you could have had. Honestly, she shouldn't have won something like this in her debut. This was fantastic. She looks strong. She eliminates three people. She eliminates Naya and Becky. And then she goes out. But I think the West, the best thing to do right now, moving forward, you've got... You know, Bailey, who's probably going to go over and be involved with EO for that title. I think yeah. you have Nia versus Rhea at Elimination Chamber. We just had that set up on Monday Night Raw. Rhea's going to get cheered there. Nia's the heel. And then, you know, Rhea can beat her. Rhea can move on and face whoever she's going to face at WrestleMania. Maybe that's Becky. I think the first spot for Jade should be a WrestleMania match with Nia Jax, where. Jade, the match, neither one of them are the like fantastic in ring or like le- are going to lead you to a 15 minute match. But right now, you still have that spot to go back to. Nia still has something. Even if Nia loses to Rhea, you could have Jade and Nia. And right now, use Nia to get Jade over. I don't think you want to go put Jade in a match with Bianca yet. Right? I don't think you want to do that yet. Because if she's not ready to go 15 or 20, that could hurt her. 
I, you know what? She could go out there for five minutes with Naya and do a couple big power spots, and that'll get over right now. So and you're then, telling I can finally I I can I can interject this line here. You're telling me that Jade and Naya will be at Mania, so it Mania, so it will be the irresistible force exactly the immovable object. That's what I oh, want. Yeah, that's what I want, yeah. baby. Right there. Yeah, because and, and because if Jade comes in, if she comes in and wins the Rumble, then you have to book her to win the title because if she loses. You're really in trouble, right? Yeah. And then she comes in and and wins the title. You only have one place to go, so you know it's it's a hard place to debut. But it was again a home run debut with someone like Jade Cardgill, especially to eliminate Nia Jax. That that tells you, I think that's the Mania match. And I I know you and I have had conversations about Rhea Ripley. I think we're there's just something about Becky. I think we're getting Becky and Rhea at WrestleMania. I really do. And I, I don't know if that's I, great I do, for Becky. Man. I don't know if that's good for Becky. No. Rhea's gonna get cheered there. No, because I could I and I could see Rhea keeping her title there. I could. I, I just could, you know. And the only the only thing for doing this math is as is it feels like that would leave out someone like Bianca. Right? Like who, yeah, that's what's big, Bianca's and, match for Mania. You know, so that's, were there any big disappointments? that we talked about in the round table on the women's match that you thought, Oh man, I would have done this or I would have liked to seen this person. Or do you think it was perfectly booked? Because I don't know if you and I, I don't, in the wrestling world now, I don't know the way WWE now is ran that we're going to see a, a bunch of, of surprises. No, right, as entrance. So yeah. Did anything disappoint you on the women's side and the women's match in you the Rumble? What? I think we, with the women, we got you know Naomi, Jordan. We had um, the I, I think the if, angle if with I Chelsea one, was good. Go ahead. I don't know. I don't know if I who I, I would have replaced. I mean, I could probably go back. We didn't have look. any I, any. I um, thought we would get. Yes. I thought we would get AJ Lee. I really yeah, thought. But you know what? Maybe this is a night for Punk, and she knew that. WWE knew that, you know, a lot of that stuff just goes into, this is not something like, oh, sleep on it, Gino, and we'll decide who wins the Rumble tomorrow, you no, know, this has um, been, I, I thought yeah. maybe that, but I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, dude, I thought this, this Rumble, the women's Rumble was much better than the men's Rumble, I just yeah. did, I did, the spot with, uh, there, there were several spots, Tiffy time, uh, when she comes in and she does the oh, big splash, she looked like a she's million a star. bucks right there. Yeah, she's she a star. Looked, She'll be she on Raw great. It, it, or SmackDown here pretty quick. There's nothing in. There's nothing for her on Tuesday nights. She looks and, like she belongs. And Liv uh, was a, it was a good way to bring Liv back. Too, oh right? yeah, Liv Morgan. They can tease. Yeah. Liv has history with Rhea. You know that's something I'm sure Liv will probably be in the elimination sure. chamber, and they'll probably tease that if she wins, she wants to go and face Rhea at WrestleMania. So the women. I thought they did very well um, on the men's side. We talked a lot about them. Uh, Punk ends up getting hurt. Cody ends up getting the victory there. Weren't as many surprises through for uh, for the men's side. But just one other note coming off of the Royal Rumble. I wanted to give some credit to our guy, L.A. Knight. He's sort oh, of, yeah. you know, in the last six weeks to two months, it could be very easy for the crowd to just forget about this guy. But he comes out there. He still is as over as he was. The crowds are still popping for him. When he's in that match and he's doing the moves and he's going L.A. and pointing, 
they're pointing. And the way that the match was set up, the fatal four-way, Roman is a slow-it-down type of wrestler now. And you've got... Which, you know what? I like that about him. I like that about him. And Randy is that way, too. That's always been Randy's style. So in that match, you had AJ, who's more of the high flyer. And LA Knight, I think that was the best match I've seen him wrestle ever. Honestly, the fatal four-way. He looked like he was... Okay, hey, I'm not going to win, but I got to show these guys that I can really be a main event level guy. I can work. I think his like he was working intense, fast, quickly. I just wanted to give him some credit because I thought it was a very good night for him on a nice night for WWE coming out of the Royal Rumble. Man, we saw our truth. He got he got <laughs> beat up. He got beat up on uh, he got beat up on Monday night, but it looks like they're setting up to possibly have Truth and Miz win those titles at WrestleMania. Do you think that's where we're going? Yeah, you nailed it. I, I, I think, man, it's just the Miz goes from one of the most, not like a hated heel, like a million-dollar man or someone who just cheats, but just one of those hills that, you know, this guy lives in a mansion. He's got a beautiful wife, a beautiful family. Uh, we don't know if he should even really be in the wrestling ring. Is he really all that good? Yeah, he's won the world title a couple of times. This guy is a major baby face. And, and our truth again, what can we say that we haven't said about him already, dude? How you talk about a feel-good moment. There's been some really good feel-good moments throughout over the last Several years of WrestleMania, Cardona winning, or you know, uh, Zack Ryder winning the Intercontinental Championship. You know, mm-hmm. his dad's there. Kofi Mania, Brian Danielson. Kofi Mania, Brian Danielson. You know, you talk about a feel-good moment moment for someone like our Truth. Now, Miz has been there. He's been on that stage. But when's the last time our Truth has had a WrestleMania match? Even, and I'm not right? talking about 19 segments of him chasing. Uh, uh, people or, uh, to try to win the uh, or little Jimmy or the twenty four seven or even title. being one I mean, of seriously. maybe eight guys in a ladder match. He's never had a match with a feud. I don't think ever booked to something. No, I think he's thrown himself out of the Royal Rumble before. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it's, I think absolutely. he eliminated himself one time. You talk about a feel good moment at the Royal Rumble would be the Miz at Mania. Yeah, him getting crowned. Oh, dude, winning those titles. That would be fantastic. You know what? The dude can work too in the ring. Don't take any of this this comedy stick for granted. The dude can go. The dude can really go. And now you're starting to feel sorry for him because you know they're just they're gonna continue to beat down on him. And the Miz is that guy to do it and let him run with the titles for a little while. It's fantastic. And uh Folks wanted DIY to get the win, so I'll give them some love. Man, they did, that they, was good to see. It was a really was good, good match. Because you, you worry about some of these guys, right? You know they mm-hmm. have it in the ring, but the WWE is so hot in so many directions. You think, man, I don't know if every angle, every storyline is going to be good. And Monday night, they had a very good showing. Very good showing, and I think they needed that too. Not that they, hey, we're we don't know how to wrestle. I think they needed to hear from the WWE universe, and I think they got it on Monday night. We have Andrade 
headed to Monday Night Raw. We saw him pop up Man, in the Royal Rumble. You see his shoulders Ooh. look size of bat. It looks like Carl Malone's shoulders. In, well, he's been posting videos over the last couple of years. He's not been booked at all, and he's just in the gym. <laughs> so what, what do you do? Just lift weights? <laughs> he's just working out. Him and Charlotte just working out all the time. And rumors are that possibly Malachi Black and Buddy Matthews headed back oh, yeah. to WWE because for these guys and gals that are married or in, or together and they travel. That's got to be hard when your schedules are so separate. Malachi Blacks was Alina Vega, Buddy Matthews, Buddy Murphy with Rhea Ripley. So they would love, I'm sure, to come back and be able to spend a little more time with their significant others. And they're not on TV all that much now. So they probably feel like they have a better opportunity back in WWE. Um, Dude, Gunther tells Kofi, hey, Kofi, (laughs) I respect you. You know, you've done a really nice job. And this is a huge night for you. You're going to remember this night for the rest of your life. But tomorrow I'm going to forget all about this. I'm never going to think about this. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was like that uh, scene from Mad Men when he's in the elevator and he's like, I'm never going to think about you again. It was just, that's the worst thing you could tell someone. That's even worse than saying, I hate you. You're a piece of trash. Spitting in their face. It's like, I don't even think about you. You don't even register on my Richter scale. That's how meaningless you are. Gunther is just (laughs) on another level right now, man. Man, you had Kofi with a great promo right before the match. And uh, then you have um, an amazing match. Not that we, we thought it would be any different. But it really, really was good. And, man, Gunther, you know, where do we go with Gunther now? He's, he's okay, hey, look, I'm done. Uh, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, I'd love to see Big E back. I, I'm going to think that that may never happen, you know. Uh, we don't want, and that's back. the thing. You don't want to get, if it happens, that's one of those things that if it happens, that's icing on the cake. If, we can't yes. expect that to happen. We can get excited and be happy if it does. But, we cannot be thinking. I don't think. I don't think back. They, they're expecting. Yeah, I don't Me think neither. we're expecting that. So, what do you book? What after the Rumble? He was fourth, right? And then the hell of a match on Monday Night Raw. Um, where do we book Gunther in in WrestleMania? So, Seth Rollins comes out on Monday Night Raw and tells Cody, "Hey, look, I don't want you to pick Roman Reigns. I want you to pick me." And he cuts a promo that tries to really. Throw a big wrench into all the WrestleMania plans Because we all just assumed Cody was going to go wrestle Roman And that was that But Seth makes this incredible case for Cody (laughs) Hey look, you and me We've been making the towns every night Roman's not here Is that really the title? You have helped make this title a bigger deal Because you and me are out here Selling these places out And you know, we didn't like each other But now we respect each other I think you should wrestle me for this, for the main, that this is the dusty title. And he actually made Cody think about it. And it was. Hey, if you didn't believe Cody Rhodes was going to go finish the story after that, you would have thought, okay, Cody versus Seth at Mania is going to be fantastic. (laughs) There's an absolute chance. I don't think so. Because so I do, I do think that we have a, we have a long, we, we still have some time for Mania. We got to build, and yep. we don't want to go straight into Roman Cody and no. 
I, we know they're not going to coexist with each other. So let's play this out for a while. Leave it open. Let's do this for a while. Leave and it I open think, a little bit. I, I know where you're. I know where you're going with this. So I'm going to let. And that you means finish. to and me. And I like where you're going. To me, the only two people that make any sense at all with Seth Rollins are Gunther and Drew McIntyre. And I sure. and we just saw Co- Drew McIntyre and Seth. We just saw it a few weeks ago. They just had multiple matches for the world title. We even thought Seth and Drew were going to probably have a match at, at Rumble, but they ended up not doing that because they've already wrestled twice recently. Remember, Drew had him pinned. He pulled his leg back over the top, and he and it was stuck on the rope. And that's why Drew got all yeah. frustrated. So I don't know if it's Drew. To me, just looking at the way the board is set up, I think it has to be Gunther. I think Gunther wins the Elimination Chamber and will be facing Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Now, is it okay for? I think it would make him look more of a badass if he brought if he brought that title in there with him. I do too. Now, I think he should, at this takes point away now, a spot, and then I think he just gives it up the next night on Raw and says, "I don't need this," or and they have something for it. I think I, you're right I'm too. with you on this. I like, where I, you're and going. I don't think that's always the best idea. But right now, things plans changed. They may have had sure. a different plan. They may have had Brock Lesnar was going to maybe come in. And then we heard Brock's name pop up in some of the allegations last week. So now apparently they don't, maybe they made it, an, they called an audible. They had Braun Breaker come in and be the guy in the rumble that Brock was supposed to be. The only difference is Braun Breaker is not someone that's established on the main roster. I don't think you can come right into having Braun Breaker and Gunther right away. I think you got to build him a little bit more. So I don't know if Braun can just fill the same role Brock was going to have. No Punk now. Yeah, I think he may end up on. I think he may end up on SmackDowns. You yeah, remember you're when right. Andrade signed his contract. It's a good uh, point. Nick Aldis says, "Hey, Braun Breaker. Hello, how's it going? I'll see you on Friday." Not to saying that he couldn't switch over. Or they could do a draft or whatever it is. But I'm I'm kind of with you on there. I don't I don't see Braun and and Guther in that spot at, at Mania. It does take the Intercontinental Title out of the picture, but it also at the same time gives it a massive spot in the in, in, at WrestleMania against Seth Rollins for if, for, for the world title. I I, I like where you're going with here. If yeah. it's and and like I'm looking I'm at, at with Gunther. for Gunther, I don't know who the guy for Gunther would be at Mania. Me neither. That's the problem. I, I don't know either. Look like I mean, looking Sheamus, around. Brad, I don't know where Sheamus is coming back. Then no, you have to like. I don't want to push build with somebody with Gunther like a quick, quick. It doesn't you know make how sense. Like, oh, so right? there's no back. one. I, I don't like it. There's no one there, and you all. I also feel like Sammy and Drew is probably a mania match. Sure. Because Drew put Sammy out. That could be something for Sammy. Maybe that almost feels like it's a little step down for Drew right now because he's been so good lately. I, I I'm curious, but man, it's again a good problem to have where I, I feel like. Those are the guys on the side on that side now around Seth, where it's Drew and where it's Gunther, and you're gonna put one of them there as uh we finish up with Monday Night Raw. Coop with our last 10, 15 minutes. Let's preview Vengeance Day. NXT Vengeance Day. Yeah. Coming up. Let's let's yeah. run through the card right now. He's been one of the stranger characters over the last few years. I'm actually kind of on board with Joe Gacy right now. I don't mind. I knew you were going to say that because I I've had the same feeling. We both crapped on that character. I don't mind him right now. He's so weird and so all over the place and so out there. It's comical. And the crowd's getting behind <laughs> him. 
And now he just wants to beat the crap out of Dijak. That's his new thing. Like his, <laughs> he's almost been like a weird Damien Sandow kind of character where he would attach himself to a group and then try to take on that group's personality. <laughs> and he was like a chameleon. <laughs> and now he just he's just fighting the crap he out of Damien Sandow. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Ms. Dow. A Ms. Dow reference. Um, Ooh, yeah, that was so great. I, uh, I, you know what? I, he, he's, he's been so good because you know what? This is a guy they could have cut a long time ago because absolutely. you and I both know that character was, was not working. Did not work. And they tried to it do was it three not. or four times and it didn't work, but he's just, and then, and then the one Tuesday night where he hides underneath the ring and he pops out. It's like, this is the old Dexter Loomis gimmick kind of thing. This is fantastic. He, so he, he reminds he, me he of like, uh, you of the, yeah. There's a couple guys, it's it's almost like a, there's a little bit of like a fit Finley because he just loves to fight. Yes. There's, a, there's yes. a little bit of how the Dean Ambrose character was at, you know, yes. but, but it's more, it's more comedic, a little more comedic and it's not as high up the card, but it's, it's just like, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to run all around. I keep thinking about that segment with like Peter and the chicken in Family Guy. You know, where they're oh, fighting yeah. all over. Like, that's the segment, right? This, little, this reminds me a little bit of, too, with, with Gacy and Dijak. So, shout out to Gacy, because they're doing a good job with him. I uh, I thought that the segment they did with OTM was fantastic. With yeah. Lucian Prince, Bronco Nima, Jada Parker, and with Scripps. And they were all sitting down there in... I know they're trying to make things look like they're on the streets and they're trying to make it, but it, it's, di- that's what I like. It needs for, for the, as much of the times that we get, Oh, that's kind of a racist or a stereotype. It's different when they're, tr- when they're presenting it in a positive way. Like this was presented, they were speaking from their own words. It wasn't Jesse, the body Ventura calling Chico Santana, the taco guy. You know what I mean? Like it was different. <laughs> it was, oh, those burritos, monsoon. I sat yeah. in the bathroom all weekend long, man. You ever had any of Tito's burritos? It wasn't like that. This is these characters putting things mm. in their own voice in a setting that some people watching this might relate better with than just up in the ring every time. I, it wasn't perfect, but it was raw, and and I and I didn't it. want it to be perfect though. That's no, what made it not, good that it was not imperfect. To. It, I I was more interested after this one segment in these guys than I have been in the last five or six weeks I've seen them. Agree. I, I agree. And now I'm way more interested in the family. The in the match here with the family, they got Tony D and Stax and Adriana Rizzo, Rizzo, and uh, and that'll be a fun six person tag. Oba Femi, man, that dude is a star, and uh, he's going to be defending the North American Championship against Dragon Lee. I think they got to keep Oba Femi looking strong for a while, and I think yes. this dude yeah. down the line, I see Oba versus Trick as a big match. Ooh, how about that? Well, one? Uh, yeah, and we're getting to the point now where um, this Trick. You and I both thought, and we still do, that Carmelo is just, and and I'm not jumping to that match yet because I'll go back to Oba Femi, but Carmelo is, we, you know, hey, he's got to come up to the main roster, Gino. Yeah, Trick's got to come with him. 
I, did you see what happened on SmackDown on Friday night with Trick Williams? Did you see what happened in the Royal Rumble uh, with Trick Williams? Whoop that trick there. Yeah. Dude, just you don't know what's going to be organic in the WWE universe. But when you thought, tap they into probably it, thought Carmella was the guy all along, right? And now it's like, I don't know, man. Trick is over. I don't know, man. I yeah. don't know. You know, but uh, Obi, you know, the look, I like when he just comes out and kind of stands in the crowd and he kind of is just looking with the title. Uh, th- this I, I'm not expecting a whole lot of this match, but a good veteran Dragon Lee can do do some flip moves. Obi can throw him around. Big Fully man, small man Obi match, here. right? Yeah. I I just yeah, I just don't know how long we're going to get Trick and Carmelo on Tuesday nights. No, I think we... they're going to win the Dusty Cup, but I think we're, you know, do they turn on each other? I don't know. I don't think you need them to turn on each other right now. It's just. The only thing that's just so it's so hot to me, the best way this this would happen would be Trick Williams beating Carmelo at the mania for the title. I just don't know how we would get it back on Carmelo right now. Right. Because sure. it, it, It does seem like this is Trick's night for them to win, either lose the first title and and, you know, the two of them can't. Figure, you know, something happens and Corbin and and Braun beat him. And then Trick ends up winning the title, and that is what gets Carmelo to turn. And that's what is the the point that infuriates Carmelo. Because to me, the big money match for the NXT WrestleMania weekend is Trick versus Carmelo. That to yes. me, I think that's the match that you want as your headliner. And I just, it would it would be nice if Trick could win it that night, but I don't think I don't know if it can happen that way. You know, I really I I'm just trying to to play it out in my head. I don't I don't see if that's is there going to be another show where maybe Carmelo could win over Dragonoff and I don't know and I, I and I feel bad because Dragonoff's done great work, but right now it's Trick's time, man. Trick needs to be. I, I think oh man, the dude is, is on time. fire. This is his this time. Is on fire. I don't know if it was perfect timing to have it in Florida this weekend. But there's some there's some massive Trick Williams fans in the Sunshine State. That's for sure. It's crazy. I don't know. Again, I don't know how long they stay on Tuesday nights, but wherever they go, they're on fire. They those two are on fire. What they what they've been able to do, and again, how long ago was it when you and I were cringing with the Carmelo and Trick in the man that that one? I will never forget that that one night. It was them two. And it was the toxic attraction with Mandy and JC. That's and it. JC. That's it. And there they had, two, they both were cutting these promos that were like, oh my gosh. Yeah. We're really watching. I'm like, movie. I hope this trick and Carmelo fella are good in the ring because this he, is Carmelo brutal. got under my skin at the beginning a, a little, you know, and yes. then, yes. Like, and he, which is what he was supposed to do, you know, cause he won that breakout tournament. But I remember thinking like, yeah, he's athletic and, now nah, you could tell this. But I just didn't want to watch him. I didn't no. watch him. I wasn't buying anything. And now I am buying Trick. I am buying <laughs> Carmelo. Uh, the women's so they're championship. they're winning this Dusty Classic, right? Are they winning they, the Dusty Classic this weekend? I think. Over the I'm, Wolf Dogs? My prediction is the Wolf Dogs win. Because then okay. we can get the Wolf Dogs to go on and face the family for the uh, the tag team titles. I think you could do that. I think Trick and Carmelo have some sort of a confusion. Carmelo gets mad. Carmelo tries to act like, 
You didn't care enough about winning those tag team titles. You didn't care about winning the Dusty Cup. You were more focused on winning the, you know, and that that's going to be what sparks their feud moving forward. Hey, I, I want them I want them to lose, and I want Carmelo to say, hey, man, you're getting all this pop. You're getting all this stuff on, on SmackDown and then the Royal Rumble, dude, and here you are. We're supposed to be winning this 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 Dusty Classic. I want him to say that. Me too. In the women's match, Lyra versus Roxanne, it's been fine. I thought the build of the last couple of weeks has gotten a little bit better. The, the Tatum girl who's creepy, she's kind of funny that she's... some Tatum. <laughs> uh, yeah, she sort of interjected herself in here. Um, Roxanne's Man, rumble look, entrance look, was a little, I, look, eh. You know, we talked about that. Know, I'm, I, yeah, I'm the... I'm the I've been the first to tell you that I have not been a fan of this, of Lyra Valkyrie, uh, Valkyria over the last, her run, but something over the last couple of weeks, just adding this, this extra character with her. With it's the, helped. What is it? Tatum Paxley? Yep. Yeah. It's helped the feud it for sure. really helped her. Roxanne, Roxy in Texas, she can work. I've seen her. Russell, since she was the age of 13 and 14, I'm having problems connecting here. Maybe I connect if she goes over and wins this championship. I don't know, but just something is not is is missing there for me with with Roxanne. I've told you that during during the Rumble. I told you that over the last you know couple of months, something is missing here. But I've warmed up to uh, to Lyra. Just this little character addition to her has made. Made her be a better champion. Completely like, agree. Like that. that is your NXT pay-per-view coming up this weekend. We will recap that next week. We'll talk all about everything that happened on SmackDown, on Monday Night Raw, on AEW, on This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. And next week, Coop, I want you to have a couple props for me, too. Uh, I want to make all sure right. you let me know what... What songs we're going to be uh, talking about Halftime show <laughs> With uh, Usher Yeah You remind me of a girl That I once knew I'm going to start up The next few days I'll be on YouTube Going through the old Usher set list Seeing some of the guests Love it. You got it You hey, got you it nailed You know what You're like a music guy Like like I Music is my the, the biggest love of my life and that's why i've turned to you know really turned to a good eye to concert photography but over the last couple of years your handicapping of the things that matter most to me in the super bowl which is the over under on the national anthem and what songs are going to be saying first and last of the halftime performance of the Those musical performer that's my I've favorite thing spot on i've done it i've been spot on my friend when it was Katy perry i had one of my biggest hits ever few years back i was going nuts you did last year we were a little uh we were we swung and missed on a couple but i was frustrated because we handicapped that thing really really well and and the song that we thought was going to open was actually second and it was yellow diamonds in the sky now we're standing right <laughs> by oh uh, we gotta we gotta stop chad because i'll go I'll go off in a tangent <laughs> and i will not stop especially as i'm getting ready for usher buddy Love you, my friend. You have a great weekend, yeah, and uh, we'll talk some Super Bowl next week. All right, Gino. Folks, don't go anywhere. Plenty more to come on That's What G Said. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said podcast. A big thank you to Kubaloo for helping us out with this week in wrestling. Matty DeSantis helping us with Aqueduct. Make sure to follow Matt for everything 
New York Racing. Barry Spears, the sniper, he's here with us each and every week talking some Gulfstream Park this week. Angela Herman helping us out with Oaklawn Park and the big stakes races over there. Hope we led you to a few winners this week. And remember, if you need help with more Santa Anita, make sure to follow me on social media. Don't forget about those contests and the chance to qualify for the NHC. And every Saturday and Sunday, you can enter for free. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com. Totally free to enter contest at Pick'em.SantaAnita.com. Good luck this weekend. Talk to you again real soon. Multiverse